There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello. Hello, welcome back. Welcome back to The Shift. Welcome back. It's great to be back here on our... It's, it's, well, it is actually Anxiety Tuesday. Isn't that like a thing, Anxiety Tuesday? Mm, I haven't heard of it, but if you say so, but I also hadn't heard of Hump Day when it was Wednesday, so until you told me. Oh, so. yeah. Well, I think uh, that might just be like Chris Stefano's story, the Anxiety Tuesday thing. But anyway, it's it's certainly something that I've seen. But uh, this is a uh, this is our anxiety special. Yeah, Our you know, not, not 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 that we're uh, <laughs> not that it's like a thing to be celebrated. But you know, I mean, we 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 did have like a good chat about it, and it was something that we we talked about in the car. Uh, but it also seems to be when you post it on Instagram to sort of let people know that we're going to be talking about anxiety, you seem to get a big response. Yeah, a lot of people were messaging in saying that they have uh, they suffer from anxiety um, just in different situations. So and that they were excited about the app, which is great. Yes, yeah, so I got a few I got a few messages also. But in fairness, like a lot of them were um, a lot of them were quite detailed. Some of them were, were, were kind of heavy, which which is no problem at all. Uh but what what I would say is that, you know, you can only because we're not experts, right? We're just talking about our own experiences with what we perceive perhaps could be anxiety. That I think for everybody that messaged in, I think it's just important to just, you know, listen to the app and then hopefully, you know, you can identify in it. It's 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 this isn't really well, certainly the first half of this episode isn't really about solutions. The first half of this episode is really just um sharing what we think might be anxiety and sort of sort of giving it giving it giving it some air yeah wouldn't you say yeah and because we did the app before we kind of put out the call for your guys um uh direct messages but also as well like yeah a lot of them were like it's so funny because you've told me to go to therapy and i haven't yet and i will but I, a lot of the messages i got in i was like yeah yeah de- definitely go to therapy <laughs> um so i just kept being like des says it's great and i'm gonna one day but i think there's a lot of things that yeah i think it would i think it would definitely help so um but even yeah i mean the way i look at it is sorry i was just going to say the way i look at it is the same way that you would um you know like like the way group therapy works i guess is you sit around in a circle and people share their stories and there is a lot of power in identification uh that's the way i would like people to sort of see this episode you know yeah and i think even the fact that people wrote it down and sent it to us is a big step as well to being like okay actually even just addressing being like oh actually do you know what i need to kind of i need to get this i need to sort of look after myself 
Yeah, so um, after after uh, the first section of the app, we'll actually uh, talk a little bit about some solutions you looked into afterwards. But before we, we start at all, did we talk last week about um, the amazing message that we got from that older woman? Oh, I can't remember. What, what was I that message? I don't think we did. I posted it. You reposted it. Oh, we but did. But it was basically this woman, I, I believe she was in her 70s certainly she was over 65 and she said she only wished that uh, a podcast like this existed when she was young because it would have saved her a lot of stress and shame around sex and she just thought it was great which i loved probably my favorite message so far i love that that's so nice that makes me so happy and and that is great i mean that is the essence of of what we're trying to do particularly in ireland and you know it's definitely necessary because even though today we're not talking about sex i can still feel sometimes at certain shows crowds do get uptight about sex yeah no, you know absolutely. so so it's it's important you know so i'm yeah. glad that we get messages like that it kind of it kind of reaffirms because uh, because when for some people I, I think for the average like 22 year old that listens to this podcast they're just listening to it for the crack and they're yeah. just identifying you know they're just going like oh yeah I, I I know that feeling you know but for some people perhaps a little older they're listening to it and going like oh my god Jesus I really do give myself a hard time you know like I do think I do think that the people can experience it in different ways so I like the fact that we can just be fun giving have a bit my, of crack about what's giving that my, giving myself a hard time is like the Irish <laughs> just anybody I speak to who's Irish is always like yeah I do give myself a really hard time so that's such a good that's a good quote <laughs> yeah maybe we should have called this Give, giving yourself a hard time podcast yeah no absolutely like i think but that's not an irish that, that's not an irish expression right that's a no I think, but i uh, just i guess like i'm sure there's my friends over here as well but especially my irish friends like they just give themselves such a hard time over over nothing but beating yourself up about your behaviors yeah. uh you know you know you know, you know kind of like you know in more like a serious note of like like a sort of a shame spiral no, you know absolutely, sort yeah. of a thing and really? that's what i like about that message for that woman which is basically like there's 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 something liberating and we're not doing anything groundbreaking but it's just nice to to hear people talk about it like i know in terms of if you're struggling with alcoholism or drug addiction and you go to a room and you hear people talking about experiences exactly like you've had then you realize you're not on your own yeah and 100%. i think it can be the, yeah i think it could be the same in terms of uh you know when people listen to this they realize oh i think like that too or i got shame about that or on the flip side I like that too. And I used to think I was a weirdo. Now I realize I'm not a weirdo. I'm just normal. Loads of people are into that shit, you know? So that's yeah. what I think is great about that message that we got, you know? No, absolutely. Um, also, just to point out to our listeners that the audio on... So basically what happened was myself and Katie were going to Sligo and uh, we like to record while we're on the road, something to do while we're on the road. And I actually forgot the recording equipment. Uh, in in the in the the rush to organize everything, I just forgot to put the actual uh, device into uh, the 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 bag. But I happen to have found this microphone a thing that you can put into an iPhone. It was actually in my brother's room. I was looking for something else, so we we used this thing and we had a great conversation. Now, the audio isn't as good as our normal audio. But the conversation was very good, and I just feel like it would be a pity to lose that conversation. So I did my best to tidy up the audio, but I hope that you'll 
you'll bear with us and have a bit of patience that it's not as clear and smooth as our normal road journey bits of audio. It's, it's a very good it's a very good conversation about anxiety that was inspired by me finding some old writings. Um, actually, funnily enough, the same time that I found this microphone, because I was looking for my Irish driver's license, and uh, I found some old journals from like, you know, 2003. And I was just laughing at myself because I, 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 I was writing about anxiety. But anyway, we, 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 we talk about that uh, uh, on the upcoming app. So anyway, let's just jump into that. This is myself and Katie okay, musing about whether we have anxiety issues or not. Yeah. And then we'll be back after that to discuss some more because what happened was inspired by the fact that we had so many questions about anxiety, I went and talked to Caroline Foran, who uh, does the Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. Uh, she has a whole podcast about anxiety. So I went and I chatted to her to sort of maybe get into a bit more of the the science behind it and talk to somebody who has uh, had uh, serious issues herself with anxiety. And uh, But anyway, uh, we'll introduce that properly in a second. But just so you know, when we get to the end of this section, we're only halfway through. So this is myself and Katie in the car chatting about anxiety. And now because we're on the one mic, we have to, we have to speak with the same level of volume. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think it gets both of our voice. I don't think it matters that much what way it's pointing. But since, I mean, officially, we, you know, we're, we're, we're supposed to record an episode with uh, Stephen Mullen when we get to Sligo. So we weren't actually going to chat in the car. But I just feel like when we're in the car driving somewhere, it, it, it's just a waste not to not to do an episode we're gonna be talking anyway why would we talk and not record it i agree so i thought today uh I, i'll tell you why i i wanted to talk a little bit about anxiety i actually i had talked about it once on the des bishop podcast like one of those ones i did on my own uh but I, when i talked about it on the des bishop podcast i uh i, I basically was saying how like I, we didn't know about anxiety, you know, at, like as a condition, quote unquote. And, um, you know, so now people talk about anxiety a lot, which is just like interesting to me because I think probably I had it and I wish people had, had said more about anxiety. But last night I was, um, or two night, two nights ago, actually, I was, uh, in my house looking for something and, as often happens when I'm looking for something, I go into this uh, this closet that has like stuff from ages ago, and I always indulge in like going through the bag, and I, I always find like writings from the early part of my career and stuff like that. So I had like notes from prize myself, and I was like, "Gee whiz, here was me thinking that I wasn't really aware of like that I had anxiety, but I actually write about anxiety a lot." So I said, "I, I said maybe we could talk about it." So I asked you. Do you think you have anxiety? And your response was? Yes, definitely. It's gotten better over the years, but uh, I still have to constantly be telling myself that this is just you being anxious. You need to calm down. So I have to have that voice going in my head the whole time. But yeah, I do have it. Not as bad as before, but I do. Yeah, and I mean, I, 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 I'm always confused uh, in terms of labeling something as anxiety. You know, in terms of, you know, what... 
when I write, when I was writing about anxiety all those years ago, I, I'm thinking of it as like, um, not as a condition, just like as a way of feeling, you know? And so nowadays when you say anxiety, it's like, oh, this is a, a thing that I have, which, so for me, it's, I, I find it really interesting because you say it's gotten better and I have to remind myself, but like being anxious is just a feeling, right? Well, it's, for me, it's something that people have always said to me, like, they'll be like, oh, you worry too much or you overthink. And so that would have annoyed me. But then I realized like, okay, but I'm also, it's, you know, I also do good things or I'm like nice or, you know, so that's just, I don't think you're going to be perfect all the time, but it is something people have pointed out to me. So that, that you, that you worry too much. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not that I'm better. I just don't tell people as much anymore. <laughs> just, I'm just like, yeah, everything's grand. And in my head, I'm like, we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I definitely had what, uh, you know, what people nowadays say is anxiety. I think I definitely had that growing up because my mother clearly had it real bad. And, um, you know, when we were growing up, like, there was just, like, a lot of unnecessary stress, which I think we talked about before. But that that follows on, you know, that that, that follows on in life with, uh, you know, uh, you're, like, overly worried about stuff. But I'm only starting to recently notice like what people term as anxiety just like kicks off in me sometimes and then I actually I have a debate in myself this is like is this a genuine uh, is this a genuine thing to be worried about because obviously like you got a big show or something coming up like those are like just genuine you know things that like trigger nerves in you or have I just suddenly had an episode of uh, you know, a, a, an anxious feeling in my body for, for no reason. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like, I do think there's certain, for me, certain versions of it have gotten better. Like, I'm much better at being able to tell myself, you need to relax. This isn't that big of a deal. Don't be worrying about, like, upsetting someone. Or mine's always about, I'm afraid I'm going to piss someone off, not meaning to. Like, I never want to, like, I guess because when I was younger I would have witnessed a lot of like fights or bitchiness so that gives me a lot of anxiety but I've gotten better as I've gotten older but the older I've gotten I've gotten more uncomfortable in small spaces or I've gotten more like panic attacky sort of feelings which is weird I didn't have that when I was younger so oh really yeah like like, like if I'm in a bathroom and I can't open the door I, I feel it like overwhelm me really quickly but that that would have been something I never I would have hid in small places when I was younger. So it's weird that that I feel like I'm getting the other side in con, under control, but then there's this other like fear coming out that I never knew I had before. But yeah, small spaces now I would get a bit or buildings. Is that anxiety? I don't know. Like I'm at a height. Oh, well, that's a fear of heights. <laughs> I, I you know you, you you shouldn't you shouldn't get confused between <laughs> rational fears. <laughs> And anxieties, you know, like it's actually very normal to be afraid in a situation where you could die. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. No, but I mean, what like, but without getting, yeah, because I, yeah, I just, I, I definitely have suddenly become more aware of scenarios. Even just the other day, I can't remember exactly the scenario, but there was just a feeling of, like, like low-level dread just stayed in me. I can't remember what triggered it, but a feeling of low-level dread was just there for quite a while. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what what great thing is impending 
that I am feeling this dread. And even though mentally I was saying, this is not, this, this cannot equal the sum of its parts here. But then I just thought, but, you know, what do you do? I mean, I've looked up stuff before, but can you identify with that feeling? Yeah, absolutely. My thing, and I've said it on the podcast before, is if I get that, is just to be like, right, I'm just I'm just in this for a while until it goes away. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, but that, that's what I was thinking too, is just like, oh, okay. And I, and, and I guess awareness is good. But see, I've never treated anxiety. I don't particularly want to either, and I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not diminishing people who do. And thank God my mother started to treat it a bit towards the end of our life because it was a fucking it was a godsend really but uh, I, I haven't treated it but sometimes I do think like wow I wonder what situations in my life would have been you know easier had I not you know been dealing with this like the, the, the dread that can just rise up for no reason and do you think a bit of it might be a balance as well like sometimes I think like I'm so happy that I'm like oh if I'm feeling a bit of that dread I'm like okay it's just cause it's like a balance I gotta go through this for a little while and in a couple of days I'm gonna be really happy again I don't know how to explain it sometimes I'm just like maybe it's just a bit I don't know like maybe because we're on stage and we get such an adrenaline and a rush that sometimes there is like a fall down to that well no I mean I think there's certain elements of our job that aren't the, the most healthy for, for our mental health but it can be uh, I mean and I, and I think that goes for everybody, right? Like life brings stress. It's, it's yeah. you know, and stress management is like a normal, you know, stress management is just a, a, a normal way of dealing with things. But I do also think, and, and, and I think you're right that you could say, it, you know, it, it will pass and it will get better. But I just wonder how much, you know, I, I don't know how much is normal and how much is abnormal or how much of it is... Um, you know, like, un- unnecessary. Like, it, that That if there was a way for it to not uh, rise up without medicating it, it would be great. Yeah, I don't know. I definitely know, even though as we're talking about it, it has, mine has 100% gotten better. Got better since I was doing comedy. I feel like because I had to just get on stage and be like confident I used to get a lot of anxiety like in so in social situations where if anybody knows me now they'd say I'm the most sociable person so I, just, I don't know I feel like ever since I was doing it, 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 it was it was um, it was just before what did you talk about just before that right before you said about stand-up comedy oh like a balance sometimes you know like it's the same way when people I look I've never done drugs but I'd imagine they get that high that night and the next day it's a complete fall down like sometimes I think we get such a high off stand up is there going to be a bit the next morning like oh but you're you know it's just kind of like a balancing out or something yeah yeah but I, the, the lows I, I find the highs and the lows of stand up to be a little bit different to yeah. you know what I consider to be that you know that sort of uh that's how I rationalize it in my head because I don't really get a low from stand-up because I love it a lot but I mean I try to if I do start to feel low because I'm generally a very happy person I just have to I rationalize it like that but then sometimes you know I had the recently enough like within this year an episode of like complete sort of couldn't explain it felt really low couldn't pull myself out of it and that was a, a really hard one I hadn't had that in years but it was it, my logical voice wasn't really winning out but now it passed after a few days, but... But you would put that in the depression category, though, right? Oh, 
100% like I was like yeah it was like the lowest I'd felt in a really long time and I, I look I don't know what that was from but it was just I hadn't had that in a few years so it was and it was fine after a few days but I, I couldn't um, I, I couldn't express how to explain it or it, it, it was yeah so I can imagine that when you're in a really dark place it is hard to kind of talk yourself out of it yeah, I mean, I'm not. I, I, I don't really. When people talk about depression, I just don't really identify. You know, uh, well, not that I don't identify, but my my, uh, my if if I if I struggle with anything, it's definitely uh, you know just being overly worried for extended periods of time. So I'm not when people, and I'm you know I obviously I have high and low times, but I I just I. It doesn't manifest itself in in what when I hear people talk about depression, I I, I don't identify as much. But what I was going to say, the thing that I was thinking about was, uh, you know, when I, when I look at my mother's, because uh, I think there's two ways that you can react to it. Uh, my mother clearly had bad anxiety. You know, and and later in life, when she actually went and talked to some people, it was like official. You know, and there will be some jokes in my my me and mama show about you know my mother's anxiety, but her thing all our lives, which is the thing that fucking made our lives pretty miserable, was my mother would obviously have some bout of anxiety, and whatever she thought was causing it would would need to be done, and it need to be done at like a uh, you know, it, it, with an immediacy that human, a normal human mind couldn't fathom. <laughs> uh, and until that was done, you know, it was, it was, it was very uncomfortable. And whenever, whatever thing would get done, uh, she would probably get like 10 minutes of relief until the anxiety would rise again. And then there would be some other fucking thing that needed to get done because whatever, you know, she would just get, she just would obviously t- you know, tie these, tie something in her mind to the way, to the way that she was feeling, even though it wasn't the fucking thing. It was in her, right? That's the, that's the irrational part of anxiety. Somebody says I'm feeling anxious is one thing, but I think the condition, the difference between feeling anxiety and the condition of anxiety or chronic anxiety is that the feeling never goes, right? So she would feel like this has to get done. And then everything will be okay. And she literally lived her whole life like that. Like there's, there was always the next thing that needed to be done and then everything would be okay and she never got any relief. And, you know, we were quite miserable at times because of it. And uh, Now, I don't, I don't get that as much. I mean, I get that a little bit with work in that I'm fucking something stressing me out about work and I just can't wait for it to be done so I can get some relief from the stress. So I think that's partially it. But then it's hard to, it's hard to separate the stress of doing stand-up comedy or or you know or whatever other deadline you know like like just normal work stress and the relief that comes from that separate that from whether your anxiety is tied up in that and i'm sure i'm sure there's there's small elements of both involved you know but i also think that the thing that growing up with somebody who has bad anxiety can also cause is i mean i'm a bad procrastinator i mean i think procrastination sometimes is actually a good way to uh, to stay in anxiety, you know, yeah. and but I think part of that, that sort of st- that uh, the stifling, or the not the stifling, the paralyzing feeling 
of anxiety is it's like almost too much to deal with it. And I don't know if that's like from from some sort of childhood trauma or just whatever. But, you know, you just end up like paralyzed. So it's almost easier to just sit there and not deal with it. But then you're actually, you know, or, or the anxiety so much that you can't do it. Yeah. Do, do you identify with that? No, absolutely. Smaller, but like, let's say like basic things like listening to recordings of stand-up sets or whatever I'll be like oh but I need to clean my room or I need to do this or I need to do that but if actually I just did it I'd feel much better but then I start to build it starts to build up then and I get more stressed about it yeah I do think even as we're talking and everything you're saying like I think now I just said a few minutes ago I had like a low this year but that was something I hadn't had in a long time but since then it's been the best I've ever dealt with my anxiety if that makes sense like I've gotten to the point where I've gotten way more calm and um, oh I had it in my head there something you said about so mine would have been about like worrying about what people what I said to people but now what I do is if I'm afraid I've said something I ask them I say what I said earlier that didn't offend you and then they would kind of laugh and it's fine and it helps so I've learned to like really talk about everything if that makes sense yeah but that's good yeah because even like we had a friend of mine backstage at Ficker Street and I made a joke uh, about her being like um, showing me kind of like uh, very sexy underwear and like it was really her who opened my eyes to a lot of like sexy stuff. But then afterwards I was like in my head like, oh God, we're in the public eye. Maybe she wouldn't want me to share that backstage. And I pulled her aside and I was like, was it okay? And I, like before I pulled her aside, I was having like 15 minutes of like complete anxiety attack. And then um, pulled her aside and she was like, why would I care? I'm delighted. Like I love the podcast and I'm so happy that I influenced you in that way. And I was like, no, I'm glad I said that. Because yes, because you were, and I, I completely identify with that. In fact, during the summer, I noticed a few scenarios, you know, like, like things like playing volleyball out on the beach and just different things where you'd be like, you'd say something or make fun of somebody or, you know, just, I, I can't even remember the scenarios, but I remember, you know, like just bringing it up to somebody like in the ocean and I was like still worried about something, you know, that had happened like, and they were like, like, this is not even a thing. Like, you're still thinking about that? And I was like, I know, bro, but like, you don't understand. Like, I'm not just not, th- I'm not just thinking about it. Like, it's making me fucking miserable. Yeah, you're replaying it over in your head. You're like, how did I say that? How could that have been received? And sure, they've gone on. They're living their life. They're worried about the breakfast or something. And you're like, yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, I have that. Or like, you know, being invited somewhere and then you're not sure where... And, 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 and like, I, I, I actually had an entire weekend during the summer ruined by like a low level social situation where I had like two invites and you know like two invites and you know I guess I guess I was kind of friendlier with with one of the guys but at the same time like just hadn't done much with the other one and I said let me you know let me actually do this and you know and just like oh my god it's 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 mind-boggling how much it fucking wrecked my head. And I'm sure the person that, you know, the, the person who I said, hey, I'm just going to go and hang out with these guys, I just, they, 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 it didn't enter their brain for a second. But I, I, I literally ruined my weekend. I, I absolutely, like, my weekend was destroyed. I thought about it the entire time. I can completely relate, like, because, um, uh, like, my cousin's wedding was on Saturday. You know, I don't like to have strong opinions on the medication because, you know, you, you never know if you're, like, you know, 
it's just dangerous because some people just need medication. No, I completely agree. And I think she ended up getting one that was, that did work for her. Um, and that's completely fine. But I wonder if... Why, why did that come up? Why did you... What, what, what? I don't know, actually. I don't know where that came out of. I was just thinking about... <laughs> um, so you'll just have to think of a question, Katie. Um... Have you, have you, what are your coping mechanisms, though, to deal with your personal? I, I, I don't really know because I just kind of like, like, like just saying, just getting on with it is like, sounds like a, uh, you know, like a bullshit answer, but I actually, uh, I'm just kind of so used to it. I, I mean, I've honestly, I can't even say what my coping, coping mechanisms are because I've only really became aware the first time I was aware of like anxiety as a thing that might be to me was in 2016. I was filming This Is Ireland, uh, which I did talk about this on the Desbridge podcast. I was filming This Is Ireland, and it was a very stressful uh, show, particularly in relation to doing some research on the people's reaction to the HPV vaccine. And I, I, it was the the levels of stress were so high that. I couldn't, I couldn't escape the, you know, the, the anxiety, like in my legs, like the physical feeling of adrenaline pulsating through my body, but like no escape from it. And it wasn't the first time I'd felt that way. So I said, let me Google like when, when, when nervousness or like when stress is so strong that you feel it in your fucking legs. And when I did that, Google said, dealing with anxiety. (laughs) And I was like, oh, God, I hear people talk about anxiety. I never actually thought this is, you know, that actually I, I have had, you know, problems with anxiety, you know. And then, you know, so, you know, scientifically, there's elements of the fact that, like, you know, adrenaline is fight or flight, right? So you, you, you get a fight or flight response, which is normal human response. But when you have a problem with anxiety or whatever induces anxiety, you end up uh, in a fight or flight like when you when there's no need for fight or flight and so i, I mean it, it made me realize that i lived my life actually with a, like a fucking ton of adrenaline running through my body I, like way more than is, is is necessary uh so that was the beginning of me realizing i have anxiety so that was the first time in my life where i was like oh shit all those times even though which brings me back to what i was saying even though i was aware like when i stopped drinking and stuff that I finally had gotten a fucking break from this constant panic and worry that I'd lived with my whole life. It was actually like an awareness of, holy shit, like, when I think of times in my life where I really fucked up, like when I was a kid and I, like, did something, like, really bad where I might be suspended from school, maybe if you're a little older and you had, you fucked around or you had, and you know, you know that it's coming out, you know, um, or, you know, just some major fuck up drinking like the parents take out the bottle and they realize it's water and you're like oh that feeling of dread the dread so that's like when it's they're coming for me (laughs) yeah i guess um i have a coping mechanism did i talk about it before the podcast it's really ridiculous um so okay when i was small someone would say to me if you don't say i love you like when you say goodbye you know we, we i might die and you'll regret it. So from when I was very small, I would always think people are going to die or bad things are going to happen. So I'd always have to touch wood. But then I got a little older and realized there's not going to be wood everywhere. And my dad gave me this cross. And I'm not even, I wouldn't consider myself religious at all. I haven't been to mass. Oh, well, I was at the wedding, but other than that, a long time. Um, and he gave me this cross. So anytime I think of a bad thought, I kiss it. And that will help because 
the cross represents Jesus' Christ's cross, which was wood at one stage. So that's how, even though I'm not religious, that's my coping. So I wear this cross so that I... And, like, I'd see sometimes I'll just automatically kiss it and see people looking at me, and then I pretend I'm, like, eating it. Like, I just like to eat silver. <laughs> so wood, wood, wood is your Xanax. Yes, wood is my Xanax. But it used to be... But, but, do you, but you know, because I was trying to get across to the listener this sense of, like, the way that it feels, but not in a situation... The thing is that, like, it feels that intense in a situation that doesn't... In other words, you're not in any trouble. Yeah, no, so, yeah, yeah, no, so I, I, what I was trying to do was give an example of the way that my anxiety feels, even at times where you're not in any trouble. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying like to. when you're late for work and you think, oh, or like you have to call out for work because something, there's something happening and you messed up and you're like, that's it, they're going to fire me, I'm done. And they're like, oh no, actually it's fine, like we just. Yeah, but also just the physical, you know, it's, it's, it's that, it's trying to. It's trying to articulate to people that that physical feeling. Like I always think it's like acidic, or just like sharp. Like you're aware of just too many chemicals uh, working in your body. You know. Well, it's like something falling on. Like all of a sudden, like the bottom half of you getting really heavy. Does that make sense? That that's the way it feels for you. Yeah, just being pulled down, like oh god, like suddenly aware of every limb, like the weight, the weight of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I I think it's adrenaline. I think it's actually adrenaline. You know, like I you know, and that that's the that's the part where sometimes I think I should go see somebody just in terms of like becoming better aware of how to, uh, you know how to how to prevent. You know, because it's it's the same with like asthma. You know, any of these things. There are preventative measures that you can take, and I—I I, I mean, I—I I, I lead a pretty, yeah, I lead a pretty healthy life, and I—I I try to look after myself. But at the same time, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm almost positive that there's, you know, like habits in my life that are probably not that good for anxiety prevention. In other words, like not having to learn how to deal with the the acid feeling running through the body, but in actual fact, just avoiding it rising up. You know. Yeah, I think um, I think the fact that you don't drink or do drugs is huge. Well, that was essential, though. That wasn't like, you know, that that was like, I I mean, I really do feel that, uh, you know, one of the, in fact, I can tell you right now because I've shared it at, at meetings, is that the the overwhelming memory I have from getting drunk for the first time was, finally, I'm not worried. That was literally the attraction now everybody's got their stuff about what it was about booze that they liked you know they couldn't talk to girls and they talked to girls but for me the overwhelming memory was like finally i'm not fucking stressed out you know so the the unhealthy coping mechanism of alcohol just was was never gonna gonna work out for me but there was also other factors that just meant that it was just never going to work out for me in alcohol in general anyway. But the fact that that was the, that was the motivator was kind of unhealthy from the get-go. Yeah. No, I, I think I've gotten much better with my, my... Ever since I stopped drinking as much. Like, I still drink a little and I session tired this weekend. But uh, I don't drink 70% as much as I used to. I, and I, I don't really think... I mean, I don't think alcohol or drugs or anything are, are a major problem if they're... You know, if you can do them 
sensibly, I really don't think it's a big deal. And I don't separate alcohol and drugs anyway. I think it's silly to do that. But, you know, I, other than it's illegal and there's, a, there's some, uh, you know, there's some ethical problems with the way that drugs make their way into the country. But that, you know, we're all responsible for that. But without digressing, I, I, I don't actually think, and, I, you know, I, I'm not an expert on anxiety, but I think that not all people that suffer from anxiety have to completely give up alcohol or anything. I mean, you know. I, it, it just so happens that I have no choice about the, the, the booze and the drugs, so I just don't do them. So, yes, that definitely helps, and I definitely did get relief. That's what I was talking about. Like, I definitely did get relief from the, uh, uh, you know, when I stopped drinking and taking drugs. Like, I definitely did. The, 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 the sense of dread did leave me in terms of the constant dread, you know? No, absolutely. Um, and I agree with you that if you... If you know a lot of people don't need to necessarily give it up but I just know for myself I didn't give it up I still drink I just have to limit it I can't be like shots 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 because the next day I'm going to be like the world is over yeah and that's partially getting older and it's also just the fact that you know boozing is really actually quite unhealthy you know it's just socially acceptable but you know the levels of booze the, the level of booze that we should drink is really should be more in line with like the way that we drink coffee you know, and if we drank booze like the way that we drink coffee, uh, I mean, I don't know how much like in terms of drinking a glass of wine a day. There's all these different studies that come out about what's healthy and what's unhealthy. But in terms of the fact that like there always just comes a level of caffeination where you're just kind of like, I just can't drink any more coffee where you don't really get that with booze. It's like it's maybe more potent, more fucking makes you stupid. <laughs> but anyway, long story short, you know, if people just enjoyed alcohol and a little bit more of a you know, a, a, a reasonable way, I think it would be totally fine, you know. But unfortunately, most people don't. And the way that most people enjoy alcohol to, to, to a large degree is, is unhealthy, you know, just yeah. scientifically. I think my anxiety with after drinking alcohol is after maybe about not a lot of drinks, like a few, my brain stops creating memories. So the next day I'd be like, what did I do? Who did I say? What did I? And it would just give me so much anxiety. And then if someone did say, we said something, you really don't have a defense because I'd be like... I'm 100% sure I wouldn't have said that, but I don't really remember even where we were, so... But that's a good anxiety, because basically, you should be worried when you drink to the point that you can't remember shit anymore, because essentially that just means that you you drank too much. You know, like, you, you drank to the point where your brain is not functioning properly. I feel like, though, it doesn't take a lot. Like, now I'd have, like, four or five drinks and I'd be grand. But I guess, yeah, look, that's a lot. So I was drinking, yeah, I was drinking too much. But I feel like after the fifth, it starts to get fuzzy, so... And you could easily on a night out drink way more than that or kind of if someone's doing the shots down a lot. And But now I like drink, because I, dr I drink like whiskey with like loads and loads of water. So I actually end up drinking a lot slower and I have and I still have that kind of free body, fun, able to get up and dance, um, but not be hanging the next day and like really enjoy it. So I'm glad I got to that point, except for last weekend I drank too much, but... Well, yeah, you're allowed to have a blowout yeah. every now and then. Yeah, so I just, I just, when I found that writing, I just thought maybe we would chat about it. You know, it's not a bad, uh, it's not a bad, uh, do, you have, do you have any other questions? And would you consider, like, I feel like, did you ever feel like a little OCD or would that be kind of linked in with anxiety? I'm, funnily enough, my anxiety does not manifest itself with OCD. In fact, I'm the opposite. I, I would consider my anxiety manifests itself by the antithesis to OCD, which is I can literally just let everything just fall apart and then 
not and just not deal with it because it's just like the anxiety of dealing with it is too much. So in other words, like I will sit around even in currently I did I did clean my room a little bit today, but like there's like a few tasks around the house that need to be done, and I just keep putting them off. And it's almost kind of like a trick that. Uh, my anxiety, which is funny, you sound like you go to AA, I mean, my disease is telling me to do this, you know, but, uh, you know, like as if your anxiety is speaking to you, but in terms of that, the way of uh, expressing it, uh, my anxiety almost kind of like to keep me in my, my dysfunction, I will actually leave things off and then just like have low level worry about doing them for quite a long time. So I, 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 mine, my mother, definitely had like OCD about like a thing would happen or there'd be a thing that needed to be done unless it was done like she couldn't function as a human being I, I, I'm the opposite actually I, I you know I, I couldn't give a fuck like I, I'll let a lot of things build up so I I, I guess the, whatever the opposite of OCD is is is, is me DCO <laughs> uh, yeah I don't know what the opposite of OCD is I mean I'm sure listen we all have our we all have our quirks and I have OCD, but I don't know if it's OCD. Actually, there's another condition for the sound of people eating. And I have a few things that drive me fucking absolutely insane. One of them is the sound of people eating, breathing through their nose. Uh, stuff like that drives me fucking mental. I, I, I wish it didn't, but like I just fucking, I can't handle it. And there is, I, I, I could Google it after we get off, the, the after we stop doing this. But there is actually a condition for uh, the, the way that... Uh, you know, sounds can affect you. Um, I'm trying really hard not to breathe right now. <laughs> no, it's fine. But you, you, you've already know. But yeah. you, you know, when I have the headphones on and you're you're breathing into the mic. But I mean, that's I'm I'm thinking about that more for sound quality. It's actually not bothering me. I, I used to as a kid. Obviously, I don't do it now because at some stage I was like, this is not, this is not feasible. But I would have to line my shoes up in a straight line, and if I didn't like I was convinced I'd like break my leg or something I would have these like crazy thoughts and associate doing something would mean it wouldn't happen like um oh yeah or like the lights I would oh, it's like such a typical one but I would switch them on and off a couple of times before going to bed now at some stages I got older I was like okay you have to you have to get out of this you have to stop so I did but yeah I definitely oh you know when you're right when you would have to do the loop loopy writing what's it called uh, well, I think nowadays they call it cursive. We used to call it script, but is it cursive? Is that is that the way you learned it? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, if if there was a hole, like, if the A didn't completely have a circle, like, you know, the way sometimes it just leave it, I'd have to go back over my writing and link it all. There couldn't be any. And I don't know why. It's just a bit. And then you're giving yourself more anxiety because you're like, did I get all the A's? Did I get all the O's? Are they all are they all fully looped? So I'm glad I kind of grew out of that. Or. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I do think there's a connection between anxiety and OCD. I don't know. Again, you know, we're like, these are just, you know, these are just anecdotal situations, by the way, for people. Like, we're not experts, and, you know, we, 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 we shouldn't be judged as such. But I, I'm assuming, uh, in layman's terms, that there is a connection between anxiety and OCD, you know? Um, so... Uh, but yeah, no. It, it, for me, it doesn't manifest. But I, I well, you know, I, I don't want to do armchair psychology on myself. But you know, my, my my mother had this thing where she, when she went back working, uh, she uh, wanted the house immaculate when she came back from work, 
uh, which was always about an hour after we would get back from school. Now, I was older, maybe 12, maybe uh, maybe 13, you know. Uh, but it was very hard to get it right because it really it wasn't about the house being clean. It was about her creating a scenario where she could fucking, you know, go off on one. And uh, so sometimes, like, I would just deliberately... So my... When I got older, I, I put my bedroom into the attic, third floor. But it's quite big. Like, it wasn't, you know, they, they, they were like two proper bedrooms. But they were up on the third floor of our house. and uh, Or the second floor would be in Ireland. But in America, it was the third floor. And uh, so I would, like, hide up there. Like, I, I would have the house clean. But I would just deliberately hide up there to miss that half hour, 45 minutes of her expressing her discontent with, you know, whatever. Like, one fucking thing out of place. And, uh, you know, and, like you know she would like give us the whole like you know what have i done to deserve this this life and uh you know and and so i would hide up there and just avoid it and i sometimes think and this this may or may not be true that still to this day i like when there's stuff that needs to be done i almost like go into the attic of my whatever scenario rather than just deal with it because it's just like easier than facing it you know Absolutely, but that's a that's a that's a that's a me, uh, you know, putting a putting a um, you know, like a trying to connect the dots. It, it may or may not be the case. Yeah, but it's like interesting when you say that as well about your mum because you kind of nearly catch other people's anxieties as well. well. Like as in, when someone's being extremely anxious, it starts to make you feel anxious as well. Oh yeah, I mean Jesus Christ! I mean she was fucking. She, you know, if, if anxiety expressed itself in like, 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 like uh, radio waves yeah. or, you know, some sort of like, uh, you know, some, if you could, if you could calculate it with physics, yeah. like if there was like a, like a machine, like a Ghostbusters machine where they would like walk around or, you know, and like, or like a poltergeist, you know, they, oh, there's a lot of, you know, kinetic activity in this house. Uh, if there was an anxiety receptor, uh, we walk into our fucking house and it would just like, and then people would be like, What's going on in this house that there's this much anxiety? And we'd be like, you know what's weird? Nothing. <laughs> like, there's actually no anxiety-inducing situation happening in this house. But for some reason, everybody's fucking anxious. So why the fuck is that? You know? And then they'd be like, oh, God, we have a, we have a serious case of unnecessary fucking anxiety in this house. Which is why I was going to call my show about my mom, Unnecessary Chaos. But I just didn't want to... I didn't want to. I didn't want the show to just be about my mother's anxiety, you know. So I didn't call it unnecessary chaos. But it's like literally, like, why the fuck are all these waves of anxiety existing in this house? Why is why is the machine fucking going crazy when when like what's the anxiety in this house? Actually, financially stable, not not wealthy, but financially stable, not wanting for much. Children are in school. Yeah, they get in trouble in school every now and then because they're three fucking, you know, energetic boys. But, like, really, what the fuck is going on in this house that it's this fucking stressful? And then people be like, nothing. Something needs to be done to fucking drop the waves. But, of course, people didn't talk about anxiety then. So they were just like, that's just normal. I guess even when you're saying that, I'm trying to think a good one for the listeners, just like that experience. And it's more of a stressful reason. So there is more of a reason for people to have anxiety. But do you ever remember when you're doing like your leaving cert and there'd be that one fucker right before you're about to go into the exam and they're like, we're, we're going to fail. We're going to yeah. fail. And then all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I didn't think about that. Maybe I will fail. And you're like, fuck 
you. Can you get out of here? It's same with like stand-up competitions. I've done a few of them in New York. You know, you'd always have one fucker. Like we'd all be just calm in the green room, and one person coming in. I'm so nervous about myself. I'm not gonna do it. I can't. I can't feel my mouth. I can't breathe. I can't. And I'm like, I have to walk away because I'm like, what you're doing is is this like is this like warfare? Are you coming in and trying to stress the rest of us out? But yeah, I hate when you feel someone else's anxiety. Yes, but then there. Yes, and a hundred percent. I totally agree with you. And this is not a criticism. Just, he just projected so much stress over having a drink with yeah and, and and it can be hard not to take on the projection of other people's feelings yeah yeah which is a, which is our homework at the end of this episode <laughs> our homework is to become better at dealing with other people's emotions but of course you know everybody has their reasons for feeling the way that they are here's my thing about uh, being a victim and all that because I, I you know I don't think any of this has to do with being a victim but I do think that it, it can be difficult and everyone has their reasons for why they are the way they are but I think that once you get some awareness it really is up to you to be responsible because no matter how hard life was in the past and I don't think you should deny what's been done to you as a human being but I also do think that as an adult you have to take responsibility for finding a way for you to be able to cope and and and, imp- and improve yourself and improve your situation like i do I, I do really believe that and this is not to belittle anybody who who feels this way because it's only after you have awareness that this is relevant and it can be hard to have awareness until a moment comes whatever whatever way it manifests itself it's from that point on that you need to really take responsibility I agree with you completely because let's say I would have gotten I would have gotten anxious about maybe like like oh am I going to get a spot at the club this week and I would be like sharing that anxiety with a, a best friend of mine who isn't even past at the club and then one time I realized I was like why am I messaging her like she's probably like fuck this bitch you know? well no but I mean that's that's not the same thing no, here like so let me I know this is a minor thing this is a minor thing I also just meant that like it's totally fine to be expressing your worry with somebody True. Like when I'm talking about taking responsibility, I did. I, 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 I meant it. I, I meant it more in the sense that, like, you, you, you. It, it can be, it can be easy sometimes to feel hard done by because of you know stuff that's happened in your life, uh, you know. But at the same time, it's like once you're aware that something can be done, it is really your responsibility to do something about it. No, I completely, I do agree with you on that as well because obviously I would feel sometimes a bit hard done by by certain things that happened before, but I really do use them to be successful. I'm like, I don't, you know, like I, someone said to me recently, they would have seen some stuff that went on. They were like, I'm really surprised you never turned to drugs. And I was like, actually, that was the reason why I didn't because it was kind of the expected route. <laughs> a few people had said that to me and I kind of thought, no, do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick something I want to do. And then I like really, yeah, so I do understand what you're saying. Like kind of just if you see if something bad happened to you like god like who knows if, if you can be kind of like right well i'm not gonna let that define me and i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i want to do and behave how i want to be yeah but the thing is that it takes time sometimes to actually become aware of how it manifests itself you know in your life you know so it, it, yeah it's 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 good you have to have compassion for yourself and you can't be too hard on yourself but then there there always i think there always comes a time where you have to say it's up to me to to better myself you know what else i haven't been in sligo in so long and i'm almost fucking sure that this road is new and i've i've missed the exit 
because actually back in the day uh the road just naturally went into Sligo but I could be wrong also but this road is new uh newer than I'm used to but no we're okay I haven't missed the exit yet yeah I haven't missed the exit yet but this is uh I mean I I think I've probably been on this road before but certainly I'm driving with a memory in my mind of the arrival into Sligo which is not the same as it is now but I do believe that uh we are close to uh to the exit which is you know a fine time to uh complete this experiment of an episode with this microphone into my phone will i google your condition i just realized i had my phone what condition the one with the oh sure as a finishing thing let's google that because every time i mention this on like an instagram story somebody will message me with the the condition with the sound of noise it's just like noises that drive you crazy or whatever you can google away there while we ha- we we get to um where we arrive in Sligo, where we are... Uh, misophonia. Yes, that's it. Mi- misophonia? 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 Certain sounds trigger emotional or physiological physiological responses that might uh, perceive as unreasonable given the circumstance. Bingo. It says, drives you crazy. Bingo. Absolutely. Seems irrational given the circumstance. But it's literally like it is a, a hardcore physical feeling. Um, all right, let's get off because I got to put in uh, Hawkswell into the uh, into the GPS because I've my memory of these things is uh, not as good as it used to be. Because I have to wee. Goodbye. Me too. Bye. Hello, we're back. I don't know why yes, I say hello back. so weird all the time. Hello. <laughs> hello, that's the way that you. That's your beginning. Hello, we're back. Thanks for listening. Sarah. I mean, I guess, I, I guess because. We, you know, we've come back in. It, it It's more like, yeah, so we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so here we go. Yes. Yeah, so no, hello. Uh, hello is fine. <laughs> hello, hello, hello is totally fine. You know? <laughs> Goodbye. This is, this is the way it's going down. I, I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick of editing. So I'm, I'm not editing out any of our mistakes. Oh, I know. I knew you weren't editing. I just thought it was funny to edit in real life. <laughs> okay. Um. So. So anyway, you know listen we're you know we're only we're only sort of you know bouncing back and forth with each other but in the meantime because you were getting uh you were getting a lot of messages in with people looking for advice you uh you looked something up did you well no because i was just googling about anxiety because you know and then it said which is it everyday anxiety versus anxiety disorder and i thought it was kind of interesting so like obviously very interesting right and it had like the kind of breakdown so like firstly so hit me firstly so number one that's everyday anxiety is worrying about paying bills landing a job a romantic breakup or other important life events compared to an anxiety disorder constant and unsubstan oh, oh jesus christ lads i can't read unsubstantiated thank you <laughs> Um, worry that causes significant distress and interferes with daily life so that's the difference between those two to what is like normal and what is like feck you need you need to check that out and then the other one right number that that's number one so number two is embarrassment of self or or self-consciousness in an uncomfortable or awkward social situation that's just everyday anxiety to avoiding social situations for fear of being judged embarrassed or humiliated Right. So that's, a so that's really just like, yeah, because a lot of people have like just normal social nerves. Like I kind of feel like in a way what you were talking about at the beginning of the app, you know, like not drunk, trying to talk to somebody is just normal 
uh, anxiety associated with some sort of social encounter. Yeah. Whereas what you just read out is when, because a lot of people say I have like social anxiety, but they don't really have social anxiety. They're just normal human beings yeah. versus people who literally can't function in social situations or certainly have to like work really hard to even stay in them or certainly work really hard to even go out of the house uh, exactly. to actually go somewhere, you know? But I liked what you said where you were just like, it's like a little fear and you just have to get over it and do it. Whereas the other comparison is people who just can't, they just can't, like you said, can't even maybe leave the house to go to a, an event where their friends are just because they're just like feck, terrified. Yeah, like it's over, it's overwhelming. Um, You know? Yeah, absolutely. And then the third one was a case of nerves of sweating before a big test, business presentation, stage performance or other significant events compared to um, so this is the anxiety disorder, seemingly out of the blue panic attacks and the preoccupation with the fear of having another one. Panic attacks are awful. I had one once. W was there was there any was there any more? Well, uh, the next one is a uh, realist. OK, so normal anxiety, realistic fear. And there's only two more realistic fear of dangerous object, place or situation. And then the and then the anxiety disorder is irrational fear or avoidance of an object, place or situation that poses little or no threat or danger. So I guess people who have a fear of going into the subway or something like that compared to people who are like, oh, it's a bit scary, but I'll go down. Well, I yeah, I did the thought that I might die if I go down here, you know? Yeah. And then the net last. But also, can oh, yeah. I just point out that we did have a listener. We had a listener who messaged me to say, can you tell I, I'm a mother and I have become overwhelmed with anxiety regarding the safety of my children. Yeah. And of course, I'm not a parent. So on one level, I couldn't identify with that. But in relation to what you just said, I feel like that makes a lot of sense in terms of normal anxiety would be, you know, you're just afraid that something might happen to your kids, which is very normal. You know, I even have that with my own nephews, you know, just this sense of, oh, God, I hope everything's going to be OK yeah. versus this sense of your whole day being taken over with a, a, a worry all the time that something bad is going to happen. That, like, I do feel that that sort of jumps over. And it sounded to me like this woman might have had what, what would be considered to be possibly over onto the anxiety side because you're no good to anybody when you become paralyzed with, with the fear. Oh, no. And again, I don't have the solution for this woman, but I do think that if, if she believes that this anxiety has started to outweigh uh, what could, could be considered a rational fear that perhaps she should go and uh, talk to somebody about it or or certainly look up uh, the best ways to sort of rein that in, particularly when it comes to sort of, I got to feel like a lot of parents struggle with that, you know, that anxiety. I mean, my mother, uh, <laughs> my mother worried about my finances till the day that she died, even though she was weeks from death and had a third in her retirement savings than I have today. <laughs> yeah. That's so, that's like sad for her, but very sweet that like, yeah. But yeah, you're perm. I know. It's like, hey, Ma, you know, the reality is that by the time I'm your age, I'm probably going to be like really, really, really way, way better set up for this stage uh, <laughs> that you're dealing with right now. But somehow you're worried about me now, even though you're the one that should be worried about yourself, even though I have more than you and you still have way more than you need. So will you fucking relax? <laughs> you poor mom. And did your mom, oh, I think you said it in the, in the, but she was eventually diagnosed with anxiety disorder. She did. Yeah. Well, uh, she certainly went to see somebody after my dad died and, uh, you know, w w was told that, you know, she suffers from, from anxiety, but yeah, we did, uh, 
I, I mean, I, you know, I, I, we did mention that, but not, 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 not directly in relation to the question. So just to clarify, uh, yes. What's the next one? The next one is um, anxiety, sadness, or difficulty sleeping immediately after a traumatic event. So that's kind of like normal. But then the other one is reoccurring nightmares, flashbacks, or emotional numbness related to a traumatic event uh, that occurred several months or years before, which that one I can relate heavily to because I've had the same reoccurring nightmares for 11 years. So, Yes. And we have touched on where that came yeah, from. Yeah, so. <laughs> Which is why you definitely need therapy. I know I need therapy. Oh, my God. Like, it's so <laughs> funny. I was just, this is weird. I got, like, an anxiety thing about, like, you know, let's say if, if you go into a coma or something. I don't even know why I thought. This is how crazy my brain is. I thought about this morning. What if I went into a coma, but I don't have good dreams? Oh, I'll have sh- nightmares the whole time in a coma. And they'll think, oh, she's having good dreams. But I won't be having good dreams. And that's what went through my head this morning while I had a cup of tea. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I would be more concerned about just being in a coma. I wouldn't be too worried about what the fuck I'm thinking about while I'm in no, it. No, here, you don't have my nightmares. I I'd can't be, have that axe murder. Yeah, I know, but I'd be more worried coma. about brain damage when I came out of it, you know? I know, touch I think, wood. I think the more rational fear there is, uh, <laughs> will I be brain damaged? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. Um, but no, I mean, listen. I mean, you know, because I think just I also want to point something out because I have been thinking about this the whole time I was talking about anxiety both with you, with Caroline, when I'm Googling. Let's not be confused. Anxiety isn't the only thing that's going on for people. And like, you know, I think that, you know, in relation to like your nightmares, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not speaking on behalf of what's going on for you, but in relation to your nightmares, you know, that, that can have a lot to do with like, you know, some, some, you know, undealt with issues, you know, related to your childhood. It's not just anxiety. You know, anxiety may be one of the symptoms of of, of what comes from it but you know i mean that that is stuff that you can tackle head on you know yeah yeah no absolutely no as you know but i think and, as and, well, and, it's and, like and, you know in, in various different ways but anyway what's the next uh well that was it but i do think as well like let's say if you are having something like reoccurring nightmares or whatever it can bring anxiety out in the day because i think a lot of anxiety as well is, is from lack of sleep like i think if you're not getting oh yeah well a good night's sleep you're just fecked and that's when the overthinking starts and the um but yeah, so that was all those for those. And then there was just like, um, you know, someone, ri- someone wrote into me um, about how she'd gone to therapy. Out. She had PTSD and the therapist gave her really good cope mechanisms. So I'll read that one out as well. I thought they were good. They were like stuff I'd never heard of before. Yes, definitely read it out. Okay, so let me grab into it now here. Um, there's a thing called box breeding used by Navy SEALs. Um, as a way to calm the nervous system. So basically you'd breathe in for the count of four, then you hold the breath for four, breathe out for four, hold for four, and continue the cycles until you're feeling calmer. Um, and then so that kind of helped her from not having a panic attack when she started to like overthink. And then holding a gel ice pack is a great f- quick physical way to quickly calm the nervous system, which is really interesting. Right, so you better hope that you're around a physical therapist just stick your hand in the fridge right if you're feeling it go straight to a I'm fridge having, <laughs> i'm having an anxiety attack is there a physio around <laughs> i need an ice pack <laughs> just run into the no- if you're in brooklyn you can run into any coffee shop and just ask for some ice um no no she's she's talking about a gel ice pack i know but i was just thinking of what is close to that so i say okay let's say so calm and then you just need to be cold i guess that's what i'm thinking right oh i think uh, oh i sorry i I assumed it was the texture of that gloopy oh. ice pack. That, but I could be wrong. I'm thinking. We, we, 
Oh yeah, you're right. I don't know actually, but it's see. Well, look, sure. But the breeding for four, I guess you can do anywhere. And yeah, that's, the, great. that's a more practical one. Um, and then she said there's an app called Budify, uh, which is brilliant. Short meditations on managing difficult emotions, different options depending on what you're doing at the time and how you're feeling. Um, so she said panic attacks are horrific and can feel like a heart attack, but just knowing the symptoms and that you won't die and that it will end. Uh, there's a great book called When Panic Attacks by Dr. Anya Tuberty. Um, so oh, she also said, which I've never tried and I, and I, I don't, I, I, I have no, no knowledge about this, but she said the CBD oil helped her a little as well. So I honestly don't know anything about that. So, but she, she yeah, said yeah. it helped. And that, that's... Uh yeah, I and, and you get very you get varying reports on that. Yeah, I I, I don't I, think I, I ever I, I am a because I don't like I smoked weed once in um, Amsterdam and I had a full blown um, paranoid and like I we I wouldn't be paranoid in real life, but it was like it really brought out the bad sides of me. And I know CBD oil is different. Yeah, but that's a relation to THC. Yeah, you know, I see, the idea about no CBD is it doesn't have the THC. Yeah, I have no idea. So anyway, but that was just you know maybe someone else will think oh yeah that that helps them but i like the breeding and i like the just knowing that it's a panic attack and you're not going to die that's probably helps a lot as well yes and i i think that the the i mean she mentioned an app there but headspace is a good app and basically you know any any meditation app with a, with a simple bit of google research behind it you know that you can make sure that it's not just like a load of shite any meditation app will help because anything that reminds you to, to take a, a small amount of time out to just center yourself is good because, you know, a lot of this, I think a lot of the struggles with this can be traced back to, you know, some sort of emotional instability. I think one of the best ways to, to maintain a more sort of neutral emotional state, you know, as in uh, just not so high and low is meditation. I do think that it can, it can, uh, it can it can make you just not get as high and as low, uh, particularly in relation to anxiety, in my opinion. Now, I am not vigilant with that practice, but times in my life when I have been more inclined to do that, I have definitely noticed that I find most situations less stressful. Yeah, no. And and those apps, those apps definitely do help that. I've never I've never done the apps. Might be something to look into because I'm hearing a lot and a lot more friends over here. Oh, uh, Headspace. Yeah, headspace is good. Yeah, there are a lot, a lot more friends over here because a lot of, a lot of comedians anyway that I know would suffer from a lot of anxiety. But they were saying that the the meditation apps really helped them. Now I don't, I don't meditate, but I definitely like take time to just zone out and have a cup of tea and just try not think about anything, just relax. Like, um, I think we're just so overstimulated that sometimes you know you just have to just go to go to a park, just sit down, be alone. Well, yeah, you know, but I mean the. I mean, taking time out is definitely essential, but in terms of meditation, I guess it's that thing of taking it to the next level where you're actually trying to, you know, calm, calm your mind. Yeah. You, you know about the mind is like a glass of muddy water thing, right? No. You ever heard that? No, never. Well, I actually, I first heard this, uh, this little parable uh, from a Buddhist teacher called Songyal Rinpoche uh, from the book, the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. However, if I can also say that the same parable is in Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> so just I in case Kung anyone Fu thinks Panda. I'm trying to be like a, a massive spiritual guru, uh, Kung Fu Panda's master tells him 
that the mind is like a glass of muddy water. If you keep stirring it, it will remain cloudy. But if you let the glass sit, the sediment will go to the bottom and the water will become clear. Mm. So stop stirring your mind. And that's the thing that meditation does because once you sit down, you will actually notice how muddy the water is because it's actually very hard to stop your thoughts. Now, the idea behind meditation, of course, is not to stop your thoughts, but it is kind of, the idea is to stop like staying with your thoughts to just allow them to to come and go and it's very difficult at the start when you actually sit down and quiet in your mind you will notice that it's just like fucking hell the fucking there's a gazillion things going on in my brain but from regular practice you do notice that it does begin to to calm because you know your thoughts drive your emotions your emotions drive your thoughts and it is it is a sort of a a cycle of of uh discomfort that can rise up so if you if you take those actions to to prevent it, it, it it is one of the the weapons against becoming overly anxious and that's uh that'd probably be great before bedtime because i think most people as well a few people are writing in and that's when i used to find the your brain just goes bloody 90 when you're about to go to sleep and then you're like fuck i've only got seven hours left six hours and i'm overthinking everything so it sounds like that would be yes. very helpful right before bed yeah or even to do it every day so that that doesn't happen when you lie down yeah um but let's, um, so, I mean, basically, as far as our normal podcast is concerned, we are done. But I just, you know, just because, you know, we're so, well, particularly in the car, it was also up in the air, like, is this anxiety? What is this? And it's not even the first time that I did that because I talked about it before on the Des Bishop podcast. I thought, let me go talk to somebody. Now, I just didn't, well, actually, what happened was I was, I, I, I actually looked up anxiety podcasts. I wanted to, and then I saw owning it and I saw Caroline Foran, who I knew before because she worked for entertainment.ie. And I I knew that she was no longer with entertainment.ie, but I didn't realize that she had suffered from uh, a serious, a serious like bout of anxiety that, that affected her uh, like massively. And she got through that through, you know, you know, it was a massive time in her life. She got through it and wrote a book called owning it and then started the owning it podcast so i messaged her to ask if she would talk to me for this podcast and through bouncing back and forth i kind of said to her listen like i really i i really want you to ask me questions because i'm actually looking to find out more about myself so you can certainly use it as an app for your podcast and i'll will use it as a kind of a an add-on to ours to perhaps sort of cover some of the things that came up in our chat and that is what I tried to do. Now, I have to say that for our listeners, I won't be offended if you listen to this in two sections because at times there's a little bit of repetition because I had to sort of let her know what was going on. So I appreciate that it might all be a bit much in one listen, but it's certainly all together on this episode. So uh, have a listen. I think a lot of the stuff that we've already discussed uh, gets elaborated on. Uh, and there's some more good tips. It talks about cognitive behavioral therapy and a lot of chat about actually what's going on in your brain which was really the main thing that i wanted to get from her so she talks a lot about uh the adrenaline and the cortisol in your brain and why it's produced and how it gets out of whack due to various different things that cause what we know as anxiety although she doesn't like the term anxiety disorder okay so anyway that sounds amazing that's, that's a very yeah it's a very wordy uh introduction but um myself and katie will be back after this chat 
with Caroline Foran from the Owning It Anxiety Podcast. Amazing. So, so uh, you're on my podcast. I'm on your podcast. Yeah. How are we going to do this? You, you just so so. I'm using you. Right, but I'm using you too. Yes, you're using me for an episode, but I'm I'm using you in the sense that. So let me explain my scenario, and then you can take over. Right. Uh, ages ago, which I know that you listened to, I had said something about anxiety on my own podcast, which actually is a podcast I hadn't really been keeping up. But very recently, I was driving down to. Uh, I was driving somewhere to do a show with my co-host of The Shift, Katie. And I said, let's talk about anxiety because I had, I had found something. Anyway, I said, let's talk about anxiety to Katie. And we, had, we did like an episode about anxiety. But the whole time I was talking, both on the Des Bishop podcast and when I was talking to Katie, I realized that I'm talking about all these things about what I think mm-hmm. is anxiety. Mm-hmm. But I've never actually spoken to anybody about, you know, like, I don't know if you say officially having anxiety. Oh, it's it's a weird one. I would sort of move away from I don't like when people say, oh, I've been diagnosed or I have a disorder. Or put it, I, I, for me, anxiety is a stress response that we all have. And I yes. always say this and it can flare up and you can, for whatever reason, be going through a phase where you're experiencing a lot of it or you can be prone to sort of suffering from it. But I feel like if you say oh, I have this generalized anxiety disorder, you kind of accept it as a sentencing that you can never do anything about. And right. I think you really can do something about it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, as you know, because you listen to the Des Bishop podcast. Yeah. The the first time, which this is how it came up with Katie, the first time I actually thought, oh my God, I actually might suffer from that was because I had a very stressful situation at, at, at making a TV show in 2016. And I was like almost crippled with these particular feelings like in mm-hmm. my legs and just like, and they weren't unfamiliar feelings, by the way, but they were just so obvious that I I Googled uh, like like a feeling of acid in your legs or I Googled something like my legs. Just, the worst thing you can do is Google my, it. <laughs> yeah, but like I just put in whatever I was feeling at the time, which was just like, a, like an inescapable feeling of yeah. something in my legs. Mm-hmm. And all these articles about anxiety came up. Mm. And I was like, holy shit. I, you know, I didn't even... That's rare. Um, I haven't met many people who also have had that feeling in your muscles. It's kind of like the adrenaline and the cortisol that you were producing in order to cope has nowhere to go. So it kind of like calcifies in your body and your legs. So I would wake up every morning and have these aches and pains. It was as if I had like a horrendous flu and I couldn't do anything about it until I just sort of shook it off and got up and maybe had a bath or moved around. But so few people ever report that. So that you must have been actually probably quite bad without identifying it as anxiety yeah well i i, I mean i i didn't realize that that's how it manifests itself yeah i mean yeah obviously stand-up comedy brings a natural stress yes fight or flight you know yeah. adrenaline but the problem with this was it was like inescapable for two or three days and you didn't know what it was or why it was happening and it was scary yeah but it was literally like yeah. what am i going to do with this you know like yeah. i couldn't sleep now it was a stressful situation i was in you know i was talking about the hpv mm-hmm. vaccine on this uh this uh, television series and i was getting a lot of uh pushback from these groups so it was like a mega stressful situation mm-hmm. so it wasn't so much that it was like this is abnormal the problem was that it was so familiar mm. and i it was just the first time that i ever thought oh this can't be that yeah normal but that was quite situational anxiety for you like did it did it ease off when you moved away from that show well 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 the intensity of that did yeah. Yes. However, it did make me 
aware mm. that I live with what would be considered like high levels of stress in my body in relation to scenarios that aren't that yeah. stressful. Yeah. And I can get up to 90 pretty quick. Yeah. It's like your, your threat system is sort of on alert all the time when there's nothing really threatening you. Yes. And, and that can become your norm and we can become almost comfortable in discomfort and not even realize only when it gets to the point where it starts to really get in the way of your life. Are you like, hang on a second, is this normal or is this actually my default and it's not a good way to be? Because there is, like you say, like you do have lots of very positive anxiety in your life. And if you didn't have that fight or flight before you perform, you probably wouldn't be very good. And it helps you show up and it's a kind of a call to action for your brain to get your shit together. But when that's happening off stage. In, in like very innocuous situations, then it's a problem. Yeah. So do you, when you talk to people on your podcast, mm. does, do a lot of people just put it down to like, I mean, I, what, I, I don't mean in terms of like, in terms of, the, uh, I guess, a mental health mm. context, do people put it down to this is something that has built up in me or do people sort of put it down to perhaps like a learned behavior or a response to like, a trauma earlier in well, their life there's a whole spectrum and there's so many different kinds of anxiety and so many different reasons why people are feeling it um i think in this day and age i know you, you spoke about this on your episode on the des bishop podcast it's a word that gets bandied about a lot and i think sometimes it can be used when really we just mean overwhelm or like i just had a stressful day right and we think oh i'm suffering with anxiety like i don't want to diminish anyone's anxiety you know everyone is you know, you can call it what you want, but there's, there's stress and overwhelm, which we can handle, which are going to come up in life. And then there's anxiety where you're, it's affecting, you're not able to function. And there's a whole spectrum. So for people, it can be, it can be anything from, uh, they're just, their personality is maybe gravitated towards being an anxious person. Maybe they catastrophize to think of the worst case scenario. Maybe hormonally, they just produce more adrenaline and cortisol than someone who's super, super chill. A lot of the time it will come from some event in the past, like a trauma um, that mightn't, it mightn't be a glaringly obvious trauma, but it could be something that if you were in a very vulnerable mental state and you experience something, say two people experience the same thing, right? And one person's in a vulnerable mental state and the other isn't. To that vulnerable person, it might actually lodge in the brain and, and, and make a little a fear response. And that that becomes up, like a programmed in. Yes. And that will come up later on again. So oftentimes people think their anxiety has come from nowhere and they don't, because they don't know what the event was. But a lot of the time there isn't one thing you can go back to. Um, for me anyway, it was, it was a case of prolonged stress building up and up and up that I didn't address, that I didn't take seriously. And eventually when you put that much pressure on the parts of your brain that are involved in, in that stress response, they just start to give way. And eventually because you're not paying attention, your body cranks it up a notch. Like for you, mm. you were obviously, you know, kept going through the, the experience of putting the show together. And eventually your body started to really crank it up with the pains and the aches so that you'd take the message seriously and be like hold on I can't sustain this long term uh, so for me what was really I guess uh, so, so so surprising for me was that I didn't know that stress can build up and turn into anxiety I thought something really awful would have to happen you know right. I thought I did I thought I couldn't justify it or I I have a great life you know I'm here in my house I, you know it's I, I don't deserve to say that I have anxiety, right. but I did. And that actually added more anxiety as well, because you feel stupid or you feel like, you know, you start comparing yourself to everyone else. So there's so many different um, 
reasons why people have anxiety. And then there's can be something as simple as you just you just have too much caffeine in your diet, and yes. you're you're it's you're already quite a stimulated uh, person, and then you're adding more stimulants to the mix. So like obviously you're going to feel a little bit jittery and edgy. So yeah, it's a whole it's there's a whole spectrum, but there is I think there is a difference, and we do have to be careful and mindful of saying things like oh, I suffer with anxiety when, you know, you just had a stressful day and that's okay. Yes. And you bounce back and you know what to do. And, and that's where I want everyone to be. I want everyone to be able to get to the point where they just, you know, we're going to experience stress and anxiety, but we can manage it and then it won't, you won't fall off the cliff's edge, so to speak, which is what happened to me. Right. Oh, so you, you had a, and I'm sure you've talked about it a gazillion times on your podcast. Yeah. So we don't, you know, but you had like a kind of a moment of inability yeah. to cope sort of a thing. Yeah. yeah. So in 2014, um, when I don't think anyone really was talking about anxiety, I think maybe Brezzy had started to talk about it a little bit. Um, there was no mental health in Ireland before Brezzy. There was no, he's Mr. <laughs> mental health. Um, <laughs> so thank you to him. And yeah, so it was, I mean, at the time, social media was just for putting out your best bits. You wouldn't have in any way shown any kind of vulnerability. And I I just, everyone knows the story, but I, I changed jobs. For the sake of your listeners, I, I left. I was in entertainment. Yeah, you can edit out your bit. I'll you edit can... out my bit. But <laughs> when I met you, I was in entertainment.ie and I yes. worked my way up there from intern to be the editor of the of the whole publication and then I sort of thought oh well I've nowhere else to go from here so I need to keep pushing myself and then I went into a startup and it was just not a good environment for yes. me to be in and I same as you from what you talked about when you were younger it started with my stomach as it always has done throughout my life and I didn't feel well I don't feel well what is this what is this I, I've said this so many times but I went I was as crazy as believing that because I moved from I'm a north sider I moved to the south side I moved in with my boyfriend and I thought maybe it's the fucking tap water making me sick I was so unwilling to fluoride yeah I was like no maybe it is so then I started brushing my teeth with like soda water I was I was like paranoid that it's got to be something tangible it can't be me I didn't want I refused to accept that I was just maybe not able to cope and then it went you know, it got worse and worse and worse to the point that like I couldn't eat anything. I lost loads of weight. And then, then the anxiety came and then it was panic attacks and not being able to sleep and those aches and pains that you have felt as well. Yeah. And then I couldn't, I couldn't get into work. I couldn't function. I couldn't be left alone. I didn't work for a couple of months. Um, I was, I got very, very depressed. I was crying all day, every day. I had severe panic and I was, it wasn't like, oh, what is this? Am I, am I dying of something? I wanted something to blame. So if I went to the doctor and they said, oh, well, this is this is causing it, I would have been delighted for them to have found something as awful as that sounds. But you it, didn't go to the doctor. No, I did. I did everything. I addressed it in every which way. And right. it was like, you're fine. Everything looks fine. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me then? Because if nothing shows up on a scan, then it's just my mental health. And if your mental health is compromised, you feel like you're not in control. And that's scary to people. And that's where the stigma comes from, I think, because yeah. physical health issues happen to you. But mental health, it is you. Well, in the AA world, when we say, I'm fine, you're saying you're fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and erratic. <laughs> yeah. I heard uh, freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, from, I think that's from the old movie, The Italian Job. Oh, is that right? Yeah, the the reboot of it, which wasn't very good. Um, with the pit of despair with it. And, and then what I started out as anxiety brought on by stress and the, the new job became anxiety about what people would think about me. Anxiety about how this would affect my relationship because this was a new relationship and I had been all carefree and we were going out and I always you know had my makeup on and suddenly I was a heap on the floor and I was like save yourself this is not what you signed up for and he was like uh 
but I want to be here. And I was like, no, this is not what you want. So it was, there was so many different things, like what was going to happen to my job because, um, or to my career, because I left my job and media in Ireland is so fickle and there's not that many opportunities. Yeah, it's just a, a, a it's snowball. It's a huge thing. Yeah. And, and just the fear of the fear. Like, I can't believe I'm capable of this. I don't know how I'm going to get myself back together again. Um, and am I the only person in the world feeling this way? Now I know given how many people listen to my podcast and have bought the book, it is an insane amount of people who are suffering to the extent that I was, which is scary. I mean, we're really all living at this, like you say, this constant stress level, but so many people, they're not just like a functioning anxious person. They're not coping at all. Yes. Yeah. So, because you listen to the the thing, which you, you can ask me away, but yeah, I mean, the other thing that helped me, well, the other thing that, made me kind of sad in a way that the the term you know because you, you you're kind of saying i don't like too, too many people to just be like i suffer with anxiety but the thing that i find positive about the term is it does label a, a certain way it, it's a good label for a lot of people right mm-hmm. because like my mother was so sorry that's the dog that's is going the dog. bananas the dog has anxiety he actually he's the most anxious dog in the world he's afraid of his lead but all small dogs are like that okay let's hope he stops yeah, but it's not really coming through. Is it not? Not, okay. not really. Not 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 a lot. It's okay. not. It's, it's not a concern. Do you for want me. me to go and get him, and then just in case? No, it's. it's, it's well, I'm just. I might just get him just in case. I don't want to like screw up the whole audio. One second. Yeah. Why he just keeps he keeps barking? He gets scared. Stop it. Well, let him just let him just come and sit on my lap. I'm 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 happy enough, you know. So now, now I have a dog on my lap. It helps with my anxiety. He's like my little therapy dog. Yeah. yeah. So sorry, yeah, you were saying about your mother. Yeah. So you know, my listen, my mom died since I made that podcast. You know, but she was like genuinely like quite crazy. She wasn't the worst mom, but she was a great woman. But she she suffered on the like coping part yeah. of life. But of course, like there wasn't an ounce. Of, and she wouldn't have identified it as that. Well, absolutely, she wouldn't have identified it at it, but nobody in her life would. Yeah. You know? So it was actually after my dad died, she, you know, we had like a period of time where we stopped talking or whatever. And she actually sort of was forced to do something about her, her ways, you know? Because mm-hmm. there just comes a time where you just go, enough's enough, like, you know? And it was only then that she was just like saying, I suffer with anxiety. And I was just like, God, what a pity. <laughs> that we didn't find this out i know but that's the thing like it's not a it's not a snowflake millennial generation issue it's just that we now know what it is and we can identify it and we're also not afraid there's no stiff upper lip or shame around saying i'm struggling like my parents generation my grandparents your parents it, it was all there but it was just you get on with this you don't air your dirty laundry in public you have a drink to cope you yes. do whatever you can um so i think it, we okay we might have more stressors different kinds of stressors these days such as social media or expecting too much of our of ourselves and even for for women I think um who are you know obviously it's a it's not a gendered issue when men and women both experience anxiety but for women we have more opportunity now than we ever have had oh so there's increased pressure so it's like well if you're not seizing everything and doing everything then you're not like what about all the women who came before you who didn't have that chance so I think there is probably different kinds of pressures now but it was just as much an issue for your mom, just or probably her her body just produced, you just naturally probably produced stress stress responses. Yeah, I mean, I think 
when I when I started to read about it and I saw all the, like I mean I I'm not that up on the science. In fact, I haven't even like revised since that time. Mm-hmm. But I did quite a bit of research at that time. But my overwhelming thought at that time was, uh, my God, I think my mother lived with this crap in her body her entire life. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And like she was 78 when she died, but she died from a lot of like. You know, and I don't know how these things manifest themselves in illness, but she died with like a lot of illnesses, mm. like a lot. And I got to think other than the smoking, which directly related to like lung cancer that she got, but it wasn't lung cancer that killed her. She had a lot of other stuff. And I have to feel like that amount of stuff running through your body for your whole life has to be debilitating. Yeah, I think so. Well, it, it like, first of all, the stress hormone suppresses your immune system. It shuts it, it because you don't need to be functioning from an immunity perspective. It shuts down your digestive system or compromises it because if you need to get into it, if you're in a fight or flight situation, you don't need your digestive system working. So everything is compromised in order for you to get out of the situation. And if that's happening chronically and you don't even notice it, your whole system is vulnerable all of the time then. Um, and your sleep suffers with, with anxiety and sleep. I'm reading a book at the moment called Why We Sleep, which is just mind blowing about the effects that sleep has on every single biochemical reaction in our body. Um, so I'm not surprised that people who have chronic stress or anxiety eventually it starts to come out in, in other ways. I'm, 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 I don't have any facts to back yeah, it up, but I'm, the... I'm sure there's a correlation. There has to be. Yeah, there absolutely has to be. Yeah. And so... When I think, so, so, so let me tell you how mm. I ended up sort of revisiting this. Because I'm always saying to people like, oh, anxiety is like a new word, mm-hmm. you know? So about two weeks ago, I was, I was actually looking for my driver's license, my Irish driver's license. And I ended up going into like all these old bags of like documents and stuff. And I've kept like all my diary slash comedy notebooks from the early part of my career and every now and then when I'm looking for something, I encounter them, you know? So I just happened to open one up and I was looking through, you know, some of them are like jokes and some of them are just like November 19th, you know, 2001, uh, you know, talking about my life. And in a few of them, I'm talking about like the the levels of anxiety that I'm feeling. But of course, I'm not talking about it as I have anxiety because mm-hmm. the word anxiety isn't a new word. Mm-hmm. But I was just kind of laughing at myself and I was like, God, in my mind, I feel like I only became aware of anxiety as a thing in like 2016. But in actual fact, it, it, it was there. Yeah. The, the, the awareness of being anxious a lot of the time was actually there yeah. for a long time. And also, the other thing that I remembered was when I first stopped, you know, I was a bad drinker and stuff. I stopped drinking and taking drugs in 1995. And I remember in the early days of the recovery process, I just remember having this moment where I wasn't anxious. And I remember like sharing it at the time, which was like, this is the first time that I don't have like a tightness in my chest. And I'm I'm just not anxious. I I, I used to use that word. Mm. And but nobody then like you and we're talking about like NA and AA meetings where like mental health, even though the word mental health isn't used. It's the language of the, of the circle. Yeah. yeah, it's a vulnerable open space. But it wasn't language that, like nobody would say, I suffer from similar mm-hmm. amounts of anxiety. Some people might say, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about being anxious all the time. But like, it wasn't like a thing where people went, yeah, that's, 
it wasn't a thing in and of itself it was related to something like if you were there from an AA perspective it was because of that or it was an offshoot of something else they're going through but I think now we sort of look to it as something that stands on its own maybe yeah yeah and did you ever get clarity on on what where your anxiety originated from or was there was there an event or was it just kind of there throughout your life growing up well the thing is that so because you know I stopped drinking in 95 I've done any I've done numerous times in my life like therapy and like various different you know whatever the sort of like finding yourself exercise du jour was mm-hmm. I did it you know anything from like uh just normal like therapy or like group group stuff to holotropic breath work which was this experimental thing that was like had originated with LSD but because they discovered that LSD is quite damaging. They tried to create the concept of an altered state, quote unquote, through breathing technique. Okay. Which I've noticed has actually come back now. And the Wim Hof method? Is that's that... The Wim Hof method sounds very like holotropic okay. breath work, but this guy was like, I, his, he was a Polish guy. Anyway, long story so short. So you were open to different things. I was, yeah, I was always exploring. But, you know, it did always come back to like, you know, stress in my childhood and like I, this one therapist now that my mother's dead i can i can dump all over her and we had actually we had a quite a good relationship at the end but you know this one therapist guy that i had been visiting for quite a while was basically saying to me that like the mental torture that you were put through as a child is way worse than physical abuse mm. and he says he encounters it quite a bit you know this sense of just like growing up in a stressful situation now obviously it turns out my mother couldn't cope but even though she would say I can't cope all the time, uh, you know she she had her own struggles. But how that related to us as children yeah. was just like dancing around, uh, you know, my mother's like like episodes of yeah. panic, you know, yeah, and the the panic was related to low stress situations in terms of how human beings, mm. you know notice a situation you say this shouldn't have been yeah so stressful right and not that you become your parents but now when i look back as critical as i can be of of my mom at times when i look back i think yeah but despite your ability to deal with high stress situations which actually my mother was good at too mm. my mother was great at high stress situations because it was the only time she was normal <laughs> you know? but she but, was comfortable in high stress probably well yeah, yeah because she, she now she was at the right frequency for the scenario <laughs> yeah. you know but but I, I i only make fun of her in that way because i completely identify in that myself in mm. that like from recent scenarios like my mother's death my father's illness um other you know other mega stress situations in my life you know i'm very good at them i'm actually almost like insanely calm during high stress situations yeah. but just like a simple thing like four days before a corporate gig now this is like just one of a gazillion examples but corporate gigs are not really that stressful they're not that different to my own job but for some reason like four days before a corporate comedy gig i i i'll i'll be miserable for four days miserable or anxious well, it, anxious, but the anxious. You like, know. will you be? Will you be nervous about it? Will you feel like I don't want to do this, or yeah. will you just feel low? Uh, I'll, I'll, I, you know, it'll just be like ruining my, mm. my normal life. Mm-hmm. You know. And then, do you panic about the fact that you're feeling panicky? Uh, I, I you know, that's like the uh, two mirrors facing each other. <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know how, I don't know if I would articulate it 
that way. I just like, all I do is I just go like, this is such a fucking pain in the ass that I, that this is on me right yeah. now. Mm. You know, I think of it more like a, you know, like, like an inconvenience. Mm. Like I'd rather just not be worrying about it. And despite, because, because I can't even the, the intellectual awareness of it doesn't, doesn't get rid of it. No. Of course, oh, God, I no. get distracted yeah. for an hour or something mm. will come up. Yeah. You know? Well, for me, the the intellectual awareness of it or like understanding what is happening, why it's happening was a huge part of being able to like function again and not just not just survive, but to thrive again and like really like enjoy life. But that's sort of I have a, an approach in, in my book called the assess and address approach that I sort of created to help me. Yes. navigate whenever anxiety came up um and the assess part is like what okay so understanding how anxiety works in the brain understanding the, the chemicals and the hormones involved in the parts of your brain understanding how why humans feel it and how normal it is and, and like how we've moved on in society and how we're still reacting to fear in the same way that we used to in hunter-gatherer times however the fear that the threats that we're facing these days are more like emotional threats they're not always threats to our survival it's yes. going to be threats to your sense of self-worth or what people think of you or that kind of thing so understanding all of that makes you you be a little bit less like you're such a fucking idiot and it makes you kind of understand and then you have to look at your own situation so what's going on in my life right now what are the vulnerability factors at play so for you I've got this gig coming up I've got this thing that I don't really I don't really love doing corporate gigs maybe is what you're yeah I mean feeling. that's just one of yeah one just of, for well for as an example or for me it could be um like I've I'm coming up to the deadline of my third book and I've got loads of other things that I have to get done. So like you, you take into account what's, what's my picture look like right now, even though you're like, I'm fine, I'm coping, I'm fine. If you take a step back or maybe you've like at the moment, like you have an issue with your sinuses, like the, all those little things compromise your ability. You're like to, to sort of rationalize and your executive function, which is your prefrontal cortex and your prefrontal cortex, which is the really more, um, modern part of your brain is always kind of at war with your amygdala which is the more primitive part of your brain which feels fear and that's like a child always firing off to all these threats and your prefrontal cortex job is supposed to calm it down and say listen we're totally fine here relax but if you're stressed out or if you're compromised in any way it's not as easy for your prefrontal cortex to do its job so then the amygdala is left kind of in the driving seat which is why we're reacting to things we normally wouldn't react badly to and which is why it's it seems like it's come out of the blue it hasn't or why it seems like you can't cope with something you normally can cope with so for me understanding that and not thinking I'd just gone crazy and knowing how common that is for everyone um and like for me it manifests with anxiety yeah, but that's why I'm here because I didn't know that yeah that's literally why I, I contacted you was mm. because I well, I was being lazy, really, because mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't. I, I knew that there, there must be some stuff behind it that I don't know yet. And it's really simple stuff. Like, and I'm not. I mean, I'm not an expert. I didn't go off and get a qualification in it. I was just so eager to understand it so that I could cope better. And the only way for me to do that was to get stuck in and treat it like almost like an assignment. Um, and obviously, I tried. I tried so many different things, from like what you did. Like, I had these things plugged into my temples and I but what was wrong with me at at the time was I had a wrong idea about anxiety I because it hit me so so bad and I was so ill with it I thought of it as something to cure that like had taken over me I thought of it like a virus because I wasn't I just suddenly I went I mean it was a real 180 and because I didn't understand how 
stress can turn into anxiety and I didn't understand how the brain works I really I mean I compared it to like paranormal activity like this thing had just come and taken over me <laughs> I was possessed by anxiety and when was it gonna go and everyone was like just don't think that way and you'll be fine and sure what have you got to be anxious about and I was like I fucking know I just breathe and you're like fuck off like if yeah. I could just fucking breathe my way out of this I would do it by now um and I was I was like again with the water thing like I was trying to the tap water I was trying to cure it um so I would go into you know a different treatment and all these things that really prey on your vulnerability especially coming from America where there's a lot of bullshit and I would be on YouTube and it would be this person who looked like the most well-adjusted person in the world sitting there on a YouTube video saying I used to not be able to function with anxiety and then I did this one thing and I never felt it again and if you just enter your bank details you'll unlock the secret and I was like okay and then I would go and do these things thinking believing the hype that this will cure it or you can get rid of panic or you can get rid of this they're all owned by Tony Robbins. Just <laughs> no, I'm just, kidding. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, just I'm just kidding. And then I would do and it wouldn't work, obviously. And I'd feel 10 times worse. And then I would think, oh my God, am I just, am I so fucked up that I, I'm impervious to these things that work for other people? And I had it all wrong. Like I remember once going to a particular um, therapy session. Uh, and this is what motivates me so much today is to, 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 help people be wise of the bullshit and, and to understand how normal anxiety is and it's not it's not like a fucking paranormal possession to, yes. to get rid of and I went into this um this session and it was you know it was very calming as as they all are like all that's happening in so many of these different therapies is that you're reducing the cortisol and you're stimulating like nicer hormones and you're mm. getting yourself into a relaxed state and anything that gets you into a relaxed state as long as it's not induced by alcohol or drugs and it's it's not harming you is a good thing for your anxiety and the longer we can spend in those relaxed states the better our resilience will be so of course when you're in the situation of doing a, a, a treatment or whatever or getting someone's like massaging you or you know reiki or any of that stuff you're going to feel super super chilled and i he was like you know it should be just max one session and you should be fine and I was like amazing and I walked out of there and my mom had driven me we were on our way down to to Dingle where they live um and it was like along along the way so we drove from Dublin stopped off in Waterford where this guy was um did the session I came out and I was like it's gone like I'm fine I'm completely fine now and that was just a really weird blip in my life and I'm completely fine and because my parents didn't have any awareness either because they'd never addressed their mental health they just it wasn't an issue it was just it probably was but they wouldn't have even bothered to look at it they were like oh okay she's fine now that's great because they had been minding me I mean I was 25 and I needed to be monitored all the time like I was being taken care of and suddenly they were like that's great so we had dinner had a glass of wine and I was just like oh I'm just a new person again this is amazing went to sleep or went to bed and my mom was like oh you see you in the morning um and I was like yeah and then I was in bed being like oh it's gone and then I was like is it is it gone and started worrying I started and it built and built and built and it came like of course it did because I put myself under so much pressure not to feel it yeah. and think that it was gone that if I felt one glimmer of a panicky or anxious feeling I was like oh, it's not fucking gone you're completely broken and then I plummeted so much more because of that and that none of that would have happened if I had have understood how anxiety happens and it's not something to get rid of and to this day like I don't with my book I'm not saying this is not going to cure your anxiety but I live my life pretty well like despite it now because I understand what it is and I manage it and I know when it's I know when those stressors are getting too much and I see the train coming down the tracks and I get off before it hits me Mm. and I know and I'm wise to the bullshit that's out there and I got so pissed off reading I don't know if you've read Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now 
Uh, I mean, I've, I've flicked through that in my life, but I've never like Fucking read it. Fucking annoying. Pro- it just like, because I was in such a desperate position and I was like looking for anything that would give me the answer. And it was like, he just had the most crippling anxiety all through his life. And then one day he just decided to, he was like st- sitting down and looking at a tree or something and enlightenment just washed over him. And he realized that it's all about being in the, in the, present, in the moment. present moment. And then he never felt anxiety ever again in his life. And I'm sitting there fucking eyeballing a tree being like, come on like hit me and of course that doesn't fucking happen for normal people because we have stress in our lives and it's okay i know but everybody i mean whatever that's like that's like a fun thing to get into from a comedy perspective just all the charlatans that are flogging their wares from the tony robbins to the power and listen i'm sure there are people listening that have got good stuff from those i did a tony robbins workshop and how was it i took some i took some positives from it the problem is they're all selling the bullshit that they're selling is that this thing, which is good for you for a day, is going to change your life forever. Yeah. It's going to make you richer. It's going to make you calm forever. Mm-hmm. And it just, as you know, it just doesn't work that way. As no. in like the power of now, I, you know, I haven't read that properly, but in those early days of recovery, that was very much like a, a big book, mm. you know, and all of staying in the present. Like it's e- eternal vigilance is the price of freedom is like an N.A. quote. But like, that's a way more honest one, yes. which is basically like, yeah, do it every day, every single meditate day. every day or whatever, you know, like, cause he's looking at a tree. He's just having like, he just had like a moment of clarity. Yeah. We, we, like we all get them. Everybody yeah. gets a moment of clarity. But the problem is that that moment of clarity is just a moment in time. The Buddhists are way better at it. Cause mm. that was another thing I used to do, which is basically like, they believe in the practice of non-attachment. Mm-hmm. The problem with Eckhart Tolle is he's saying, have this moment and then try to recapture this moment every time whereas in actual fact all these moments just pass yeah you know the buddhists say you you, you, you practice of non-attachment samsara sin whatever the fuck we're all obsessed with none of it you get freedom from unless you look after this shit all the time exactly and i think shifting your mindset into it's not what happens to you but how you react to it it's your reaction to life because stress and actually though I, another thing that i found so helpful and um, is this amazing doctorish woman called Kelly McGonigal she did a, did a TED talk and she talked about stress um, and all these different studies and the upside of stress and how okay so we're all trying to live our lives without stress or without anxiety and of course if you try to do that you're going to have more stress and anxiety mm. in your life and she referenced this study that basically proved that it's not the presence of stress in your body that matters it's your perception of that presence of stress so this group of people measured having um, no stress in their lives at all and then there was people who had a lot of stress in their lives but perceived it to be okay and like okay stress is normal and then there was people who had a lot of stress in their lives but thought oh fuck I'm stressed all the time this is so bad and the people who had a lot of stress in their lives but perceived it to be okay were so much were more likely to survive than the people who had no stress at all is that right yeah so it's not about live you can't go off to the Himalaya well you can if you want to I mean but most of us can't realistically and give up a modern life but it's obviously you don't want to you don't want to be in a really horrible job and, and having this all this stress and tell yourself it's fine but it's we're going to have stresses in our lives whether it's you know okay maybe this week you've got a lot on or maybe you're in the middle of a house move and if you if you panic about that stress and if I if I panic about the presence of anxiety instead of saying okay like what's this trying to tell me what do I need to look at then I'll actually react to it much better and I won't suffer as much and it won't harm me because anxiety is harmless unless you you know 
you ignore it and you and you it starts to you know affect your immune system and everything else and mm. and it just starts to just run you into the ground if you don't address it so i think for me understanding again the how to look at stress and anxiety is something that is very normal but it is good to know like like it is good to know about the different parts of your brain and how they're yeah because i got to assume that my brain was trained a long time ago to hang out in that back section a lot more. Yeah. What, what, what did you call it? You said the front oh, section. Oh, amygdala. The prefrontal cortex and your amygdala. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I've been hanging in the amygdala like a, yeah. a lot of my life. Mm. You know, like even if I wrote a book about my dad, my dad was nearly James Bond. But in the book, mm. in the book I talk about, and by the way, I'm not bringing up all these things to say I did all these things. It's just funny because I can look back at my perception of what was going on with my life. Yeah. And in hindsight, you go, oh, mm-hmm. another example of an awareness that I had without the language of knowing what was going on. So I have a little section joking about how uh, I was working with this director when we were filming the work experience. And for a while, he didn't realize that when I said something was a disaster, I didn't really mean that it was a disaster. But it was a language that I picked up from my mother, which was something like, oh, the traffic's going to be a disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I use that term all the time. Like They you took know, you literally. <laughs> yeah. And then after a while he realized, oh, I, I realize it's not a disaster. It's just a word that you use to describe these low level yeah. stress situations. Yeah. And I wrote it down as a thing of like, uh, yeah, you don't realize when you're young that you're growing up with all this perception of life being very difficult when actually it's not that difficult. No. You know? But it does, you know, uh, it does wear off on you. And like, I definitely still to this day, like I gave you corporate gig as an example, mm. but just like renewing a driver's license. Will, Those little will, things. Oh, will fucking kill me. Why? Who knows? <laughs> but like, why, what, what is, okay, if you break that down, what is it that makes you feel bad about that? Is it just the menial task? Is it, you just don't want to do it? I don't have a why. <laughs> if I had a why, I wouldn't I wanna even be fucking talking to why. you. No. <laughs> No, I'm just, I, I, I don't know why. I'm just saying it just triggers a reaction in me, mm. which is, is, is abnormal and kind of like makes it more difficult than it should be. Okay. Like, um, okay, so the last, I had to renew my American driver's license, which is very recent. And so I'm like, luckily now you can make an appointment. So I make an appointment in Riverhead, Long Island, which is further out. And it's always known to be way less packed than the DMV in New York. So I'm like, I'm just really stressed gathering up all these documents, but I'm doing it. But it's like, it's killing me, okay. but I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I get all the documents and like, I, I get there and uh, it, it turns out that one of the documents is not the correct one. Now, a little bit of that has to do with the fact that the, it's, it's, it's insane that it's not the correct one, but let's not focus okay. on that because that is definitely their fault. And, yes, 100%. <laughs> So then I have to like do it again, mm. you know, and I, 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 it's like I'm aware of it for ages. Now, I can't actually get the new document until I get back into Manhattan and get the document. And I do finally get it done. But like the relief when it was finally done was like way too much mm. versus the event. And now I'm aware of it. Like that whole time I was like, look at this. This is you're reacting to it disproportionately bad yeah but like now i'm aware so now i'm going like fucking this is a pain in the ass Mm. and you mentioned going to the less busy um dmv 
Well, everybody does that. But is there anything to do with like being around crowds or anything? Nah. I, I, when people talk about the, the crowd anxiety and stuff like that, I don't, yeah. I don't, that, that's not like the thing. Yeah. It's actually the just or- literally the thing. It's the organization. Mm. Would you, I mean, so you wouldn't I describe think, yourself as an organized person? Oh, I'm not an organized guy. <laughs> I'm not OCD. Yeah. My, my, my anxiety manifests itself in uh, the, uh, the antithesis of OCD, which is <laughs> thinking of organizing shit. Mm makes me very anxious Mm. you know and eventually i do get it organized and i do get a bit of relief but i have i have a an an overactive stress response to basic organization and do you think that it's just you're building it up in your head more than it really is well i think that's that's part of it yeah a hundred percent yeah and have you had situations where you've thought oh fuck i have to do this thing i don't want to and you've done it and it's actually been fine and then it's made you realize okay maybe well that's everything that's all that's all but i say maybe next time but the problem is that there is a physical reaction yeah which i think the next time it happens for me cbt was a huge help um not just talking therapy not just something relaxing but very practical approach to like it's it's your thoughts that are in um affecting your feelings and your behavior so your thoughts are maybe fuck's sake i don't want to do this thing your feelings are feeling jittery the behavior is you're going to make a mess of organizing it all and then just this loop this cycle loops you need to get in at one level and, and kind of track those thoughts and then be like okay what why are you thinking that this is all going to go tits up and what actually so then like kind of it's like a thought record exercise what's actually happening or do you if you think i'm you know i'm going to fail at this thing is it because is that based on reality or you know you have to challenge the thoughts and go back to it again and again and just do these exercises But do you find that the intellectualizing helps oh yeah yeah hugely hugely because you have to because i've done all cbt before by the way but i never did it in relation to this specifically as in it, it was in relation to like other stuff even though it all manifests itself in similar ways yeah but i never went with with the focus of he's here are certain things in my life that are causing me problems because other things were back in those days Mm. but you know nowadays i guess you know you get older and you get more aware of what's going on for you if if i went back to somebody it would definitely be actually i'm kind of just a little bit sick of these certain areas that are causing Mm. me for me the reason i find cbt helpful is because it makes me stop and see which part of my brain is in the driving seat so Mm. if i'm saying uh what if okay i have to go and give this talk i'm not good enough i'm not i'm I'm gonna make a mess of it because i do give a lot of talks around anxiety now which is by the way most people's number one fear well yes like completely rational and fair enough yes um so then i have to think okay well what evidence what evidence is there to support that and it's about then giving your prefrontal cortex a chance to step up and mediate those fears and worries and negative feelings. Um, and it sounds really simple and silly and stupid sometimes, but it's, again, it's the kind of thing like you mentioned earlier, like having to constantly look at your thoughts when you feel good and not just like as a crisis situation. Um, and, and always think, okay, well, am I, there's so many common mind traps with anxiety, such as catastrophizing, mm. uh, polarized thinking, all, you know, all or nothing thinking, overgeneralizations, all these things that are just so part of our everyday life that when you start to label them, you're like, hold on, I'm doing that again. Mm. And that's going to give rise to an anxious feeling. And that feeling is going to influence a behavior such as me not wanting to go to this thing or whatever. And it just helps. It's, it's again, it's probably hard for you because if you don't like being organized, it's basically organizing your thoughts. No, I, I, it's not that I don't like being organized. It's just that... You don't think uh, you're good at it. Well, no, I, 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 I get stressed out 
in the organization process. Mm. You know, it's like a trigger. Mm. You know, mm. and I mean, we're, as growing I mean, up, I, were you yeah, kind yeah, of? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I know where it comes from. <laughs> well, can I ask you? Well, yeah. I mean, it, our, our childhood was yeah. very stressful because my mother uh, put. See, but but I don't like blame. No, that's not blaming. I mean, yeah. I know it sounds. We can all say like we're a product of our environment, you know. But everyone's doing their best, okay. But as a kid, there's so many things that happen that might seem innocuous that have a huge effect on you because your prefrontal cortex that I was talking about and your ability to rationalize and to think logically and laterally that happens much later than your ability to form your brain's ability to form a long-term memory. So your amygdala is reacting to things say seven or eight or whatever if you have a scary experience that's to you scary or very stressful that will lodge in your brain and encode a memory and encode a stress response but at that point your ability to say look this is fine there's no monster under the bed that hasn't developed that doesn't come to later so in those intervening years it's actually such a crucial time as a child when you know for me it was um things like seeing my grandparents in a coffin when I, I was fright, very frightened by it. So my fear response was, was really healthy, but my ability to, to rationalize wasn't there yet. And, and still to this day, I can kind of trace a lot of my anxiety back to those moments. So it... Well, basically getting organized in our house was very stressful. Yeah. Unnecessarily so. And would you be punished if you weren't ready to go out the door? Kind of that kind of thing. Because that would probably make sense. Uh, it, I mean, it was it was torturous. It was... It was <laughs> You, you you probably grew up in a calmer house than me, so I can tell by your reaction. No, no like, not really. No, I mean, no, no, no is... I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. I, no, like, I, you know, it, it would be like, uh, you know, uh, until, it, until it got organized to the satisfaction of my mother, my mother would be carrying on as if it was the end of the world. Okay, so you had to please your mother and it, nothing was ever good enough. It, yeah, yeah. It, without, it, this is not to sound critical of your mother, but it's just, it, that makes perfect sense to me is that, there's no amount of organizing you can do to do a good enough job to be praised to and to it not give really out to you. It wasn't really about praise. It was just about peace. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Okay. You know, you, you couldn't get peace. Yeah. You know, and yeah. eventually you, you know, I, I honestly, I think eventually I just learned to fucking just try to avoid yeah. the, that stress as much as possible. Yeah. That's and some would even say you could go to another country at 14. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe because you did that at such, such a young age, um, when maybe when it was you weren't quite ready or you hadn't fully matured, um, maybe you're still grappling with the idea that you're able to live your life on your own terms now, and that's bringing up a lot of anxiety for you. I mean, there's any number of any things, number but, of things. But I, 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 I know, I know that it's the, the, yeah. the, I know that it's it's the trigger. Yeah, you know. But it's one thing knowing where your anxiety comes from. It's another thing knowing what to do about it. So that's how, why I'm talking to you. Yeah, but what do you? But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to other people. But I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not giving you the job of being yeah. my cognitive behavioral therapist. I just was curious to talk to somebody who just has been a little bit more familiar with the language of tackling it. You know, because like I, I've I've tackled various different things, and particularly around like. My childhood, I have had a lot of like, you know, a lot of progress in terms of like the trauma of childhood. Yeah. But at the same time, it just, to me, what I like about the concept of looking at it in terms of anxiety, quote unquote, is that actually, for me, it's a framework that makes complete sense Mm. that there's something physically going on my body that doesn't really match the Mm. scenario. Yeah. And that it's not your fault. Yeah. I mean, it also also helps me to drop, it also helps me to drop a little bit of the resentments. I mean, I, I dropped resentments against my mom to a large degree a long time ago, 
but it, it helps me to make sense of what she was doing mm. because my, my my conversations with my mother later on in life was basically that she became aware she she had a horrific childhood herself and for her getting organized like like basically getting everything right because her parents were such horrific alcoholics was the only way that they could relax mm. so it was like get my drunken mother to bed get my drunken father to bed get like you know make sure that nothing was out of place so that there was no like uproar and then once all that was done then i could be okay right mm. that was what was going on for my mom and unfortunately what i think that she didn't realize she was repeating was she took every scenario in life is once I get this done, I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. She's just putting out fires all the time. But like constantly. But the reality was that she was creating fires to put out and we grew up in a fucking inferno. <laughs> Thank <laughs> yeah. you for giving me that language. <laughs> and a fucking smoke inhalation from the fucking fumes. Uh, so it, it helps me. It, it gives me on one level an understanding of what was going on for my mother. But obviously on a, on a more important level gives me an understanding of how much I still have a bit of that in mm -hmm. myself mm -hmm. today which is why like certain gig situations don't create a lot of stress for me but you know ones that require like pre-thought do okay so maybe with the corporate thing for example if we go back to that it's it's different because there is a an element of um you know they're paying you to be there to a little yeah, bit more I mean, prep or something and that's that, again that requires certain ones just trigger me more but i mean I, like you think it's important to find out exactly why or do you think it's more important to actually uh just get get like do you believe in being just a bit more generally centered and grounded so that this stuff yeah doesn't, yeah that this stuff doesn't rise up yeah i mean i think for me like it's the it's the assess and address approach so it's coming at it from both angles so you know not just always trying to put a plaster on it but to understand why is huge but it's not the be all and end all you also have to you know get yourself to a point where you're you're not reacting to those things or you're or else you're much better able to cope with them and that's where things like meditation which you know people kind of roll their eyes at but it just there's so much and I'm not great at it myself like again I'm a, I'm a crisis meditator it's something I only I, I if I'm feeling bad yeah. I'm like shit I, I mean, better I'm a big fan but I am also not a great practicer yeah and it's it's all those things it's it's knowing that you know how long it takes for the stress levels to build up in your brain and tip you over into anxious mode it's not as simple as identifying it and then being like okay I'm aware of it now yeah, it's gone good. it's going to take a while to bring all those things back so for me a really important thing is to, to just to take it away from yourself in the context of what's going on for you but to look at the chemicals in your brain and know that to have respect for them and to know that it's it's not it's you have to kind of hack your brain almost and hack your body mm. and do things like it's not just about relaxing it's about your it's like you're bringing your cortisol down and when you bring your cortisol down you're you're able to think clearer see clearer yes it's all those it's not it's not just about as simple as it sounds there actually is biochemical things happening mm. and, and that's all if you if we can manage uh those interplay of hormones then we can cope I so know, which is really what i like about what delving into anxiety brings is an awareness that that is part of it yeah and, and i think that's really empowering as well because it means it's not just your fault or it's not just this is just the way i am it's something that you can like people always say like you can rewire your brain so but understanding it in the first place this is where you have to start and then there's the lifestyle stuff too so i mean it's all well and good to, to know what anxiety is but if I, if I stay if i stayed in that job situation you know nothing was going to change at all so you have to look at the lifestyle factors and and like and also knowing the difference for me a big thing is to know the difference between your personality and your anxiety 
So the question I would always ask myself oh, that's a good one. is, okay, say something is coming up that's making me feel anxious. Is this something I would want to do if I had no anxiety at all? If the answer is no, then it's probably my personality talking. If the answer is yes, it's it's probably my anxiety. It may be something I should push through. But if, if the answer is no and it's my personality talking and I keep resisting that, I'm creating more tension. So, But it's hard to be clear on which it is. It is hard to be clear, but I just think it's, it's, it's being a little bit more kind to yourself and not thinking, you know, we all think, oh, we shouldn't be anxious people. We shouldn't be stressed out people. Like, it's okay if you are. It's okay if you don't like certain things. It's okay if you're, if I'm a perfectionist. It's okay if you're not particularly like into being organized. Yeah. You know, you don't have to force yourself to be a different person. So maybe you actually need to like allow yourself to be that way. And it's okay, you know? Oh, so yeah. for me, it's like not always trying to shove a square peg into a round hole, but to like work, make your anxiety work for you and work with yourself rather than always pushing against yourself and that's for me was like a massive thing so like for example I'm not the kind of person that will do well with you know a hugely packed schedule I very much charge inwardly by being by myself or you know I'm such a homebird so if I have loads of things on like um I'm not great a social anxiety sometimes gets me especially like a press events I was only talking about this on my social media a while ago where you know when you're in a room full of people and you know loads of people but not very well and you're just having this just chit chat oh that gives me anxiety I, I think it gives most people anxiety but for me it's all these kind of surface level half conversations and then I'm thinking oh do I sound like a fucking idiot there what did I say I'd rather know nobody and be in a crowd or just be around a couple of people that I really know and trust so and I was really being very hard on myself thinking you need to get over this fucking social anxiety I'm like no I don't like it's not for me I don't like those environments that's okay so I'm trying now to be like if I know that it creates more anxiety for me to constantly force myself into these situations and to be out all the time draining myself I'm going to suffer so I instead of thinking oh I'm a fucking loser because I want to stay at home all the time you know I just allow myself to like lean into my personality and be the way that I am and like I'm a big sleeper if I don't get you know I used to think oh like I need to be only sleeping x amount of hours so I can be really productive no like I need 10 hours sleep and oh, I feel great I wish I could get 10 hours sleep you need to read that book why we sleep oh my god it's so good I'm just an early I'm an early I'm an early going to better early rising guy it's just my circadian rhythm yeah and unfortunately I am not in a career that that supports that do you know what I found really interesting to learn about that is that if you go back to evolutionary times um when we were in tribes and we, we just, we've always had to sleep, it's always been like a biological imperative. But if you're an early riser or a late riser, it depends on where your ancestor was and the shift of keeping watch for the safety of your tribe. Is that right? So yeah. So they, 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 they can go back. Yeah. So basically you would have um, naturally back then, if you were alive back then, you would have probably gone to bed and woken up and took over the shift of keeping watch when someone else went to bed. And then there's people in the middle, which I think I'm in the middle who didn't really ever actually get stuck lock, looking at it all because I'm like kind of um, I'm I'm a late I'm a late riser and an early sleeper because <laughs> I always joke and say I have the body clock of a farmer and the working hours of a stripper <laughs> yeah but I definitely have a farmer's body clock yeah but but again that's another um probably source of anxiety is that like you don't want to force yourself into being a late riser and a late I'd love to be a fucking late riser. Yeah, I've been trying my whole bloody life. But you're not. So maybe do more of the corporate gigs that get you out and done early in the morning. Yeah, they're the worst. Yeah. No, but the other, sorry, that, I, another thing I wanted to ask you about, which is another another thing that made me realize that I, not, not that I'm not normal, but yeah. that I definitely have higher levels of anxiety than others, which was just a, a, a funny conversation in the water in West Hampton and Long Island this summer. And I was aware of it all summer. I was like holding on to scenarios of like interactions with people and just like 
fucking getting no peace mm. from from them in my head yeah you know i get that obsessed with them and we're in the water one time and it was just some bullshit interaction while playing beach volleyball and i know some people are probably listening to this being like i love his fucking anxious life it sounds fucking great <laughs> but uh, anyway I, I i some stupid interaction and like three hours later we're in the water Oh, you know, maybe it was three hours later. Maybe it was the day before. But anyway, I was like imprisoned by the fucking like constant running of this. So you just were playing a conversation yeah. that you had with someone? Yeah, I can't even remember exactly. But like someone you didn't know? I, 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 honestly, I can't just like mm. I cannot remember. But I, I said to the guys I was in the water with, like, you know, I hope this thing was OK, whatever it was. And they were like, you're still fucking thinking about that. Mm. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, dude, you fucking worry too much. <laughs> but the thing that was great about them saying that to me was just like, yeah, but this is all the time. Like These guys don't realize that like yeah. all these low level interactions fucking run in my mind a mm, lot. I know. Like I worry about them a lot. I think what helps me with that is is really being quite blunt and, and saying, you know, we actually constantly overestimate how much we people think about us and how much we matter, you know people might react to something and be like oh there's des whatever and then they're, they're so wrapped up in their own shit that they're not thinking about it and we're torturing ourselves thinking that it, we're torturing. affecting everyone I've used that very language yeah but it's it's like we all feel that and we're all guilty of it but we're all if you think about how much you think about you know we're all you know we all think about ourselves and we're, we're all seeing everything from our own perspective and how little you're thinking about the thing that someone else said to you for more than five minutes then they're experiencing it the exact same way so I know, but even but the but problem, I know it doesn't help. It doesn't yeah, make yeah, it like go we, away. We know, yeah, but it definitely doesn't yeah. help. And I, I, that's definitely another area. Yeah, whether whether we put it in the bracket of anxiety or just like my 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 areas of my life that I'm not content with. Mm. That is another one that I feel I suffer with more than others. Well, that is a that that when I mentioned the common mind traps associated with anxiety, that's um personalization and that's so that is again something with CBT to be like oh I'm doing that again. That is the kind of behavior that gives rise to anxiety where I'm thinking, okay, if someone comes into a room in a bad mood or if when I was working in an office and if someone mm. was in it, I'd be like, "I what have I done? Mm. It's my fault." And it's again, it's not going to make it go away, but the more you bring it back to be like, oh, I'm personalizing again, the more you can separate reality from the narrative so, in so your you head. So you call that personalizing? Personalization. You got a lot of language. I got a lot of big words. Catastrophizing? Yeah. Is one that I'm taking from this conversation. Personalization. Putting out fires. Well, that that was great. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. That, that's going into my show. Is it? I better get a fucking doing shout out. a show out. about my mom, you know? Oh, really? Called Mia Mama. It's the oh. other reason why I'm tackling all this stuff head on because it's all like super super current you know yeah. lost my mom it's all out there you know mm. uh so uh catastrophizing personalization yeah, the putting out fire stuff i like that's like a nice metaphor but that's more just like yeah that's good for the ted talk you know mm. but uh but but i'll give you actual, one of my books no but can... for, yeah i'll read your book but actually just uh, like in terms of like actual practical advice for life stuff like that is good to know that these are you know because what if, if these things have like labels even though some people complain about labeling. Yeah. But if these things have labels, it does remind you that... Would you? Uh, Sorry, I'm just trying to get him to stop because he's going to keep throwing the bone around. <laughs> yeah, but the bo I can't hear the bone. Can you not? Yeah, the dog is throwing the bone around. I'm sorry, it's a very loud bone. Yeah, but I... See, I I'm a perfectionist. No, I get that. But the thing is that because I have the headphones in, I'm more aware oh, okay, of... Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like, okay, uh, fine. And, you know, there'll probably be like a slight dropping of the bone. Okay. I, I, yeah, I quite like your dog. So okay, that's fine. You're I'm not... personally not too. Okay, well, and about... I'm not going to bother worrying either. Yeah, it's just 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 about the the dog with the bone. I mean, it's a very good dog. <laughs> He's a very good dog. 
So anyway, what I like about the labeling is that it, it makes you realize that like it's, it's common. Yeah, yeah, it helps you to feel less alone and it helps you to make sense of things. And like that is that has been the most important thing for me to get to a point of owning my anxiety. Um, and I think if you can get there, you're, you're more than halfway Isn't there. Is that what your book is called? Yeah. Owning My Anxiety? Or it's, called, it? it's called Owning It, Your Bullshit yeah. Free Guide to Living with Anxiety. But the American and Canadian version is called Own It, Make Your Anxiety Work for You because they have a fatigue with curse words apparently in America. They yeah, changed the, it. Yeah. Yeah, although owned it, make your anxiety work for you is fine too. Yeah, like, like like anxiety is like a biofuel. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. like the the methane from slurry can exactly. be turned into fuel, so your anxiety can be a fuel. Yeah. Well, I do think that my anxiety is a fuel. It's hundred percent like driven would, me to want to succeed. Everybody, but it is. It makes you probably overthink. It makes you um, be very creative, very productive you know produce the shows that you do and has given you the career that you've had yeah, yeah and will yeah. continue to have i mean sometimes and also it helps me to, to learn that you know people with, who with high anxiety levels typically are more intelligent and that's we, right we Turn have very yeah we have very vivid imaginations and we're very creative people and like that's i mean that goes hand in hand you know like they always say like, the tortured artist it's so textbook but it's fucking true yeah and the other thing i like about all this is because you know when i first got clean sober i was very much in the world of the language of mental health even though mm. we didn't call it mental health we called it like spirituality or whatever mm. but it was really just and what i like about the fact that all this mental health stuff has become so public is actually so much of it is very much like that similar language mm. but it kind of makes it accessible for everybody and we always used to joke in the early days of recovery because we all thought we were fucking unique yeah. you know because we had we had our, our our shit whatever it is everybody's got their own shit right manifested itself in alcoholism and drug addiction but uh you know we used to think we used to call other people like normal people that just don't understand but in actual fact what we didn't realize is that ours manifested itself in alcoholism and drug addiction but everybody's shit is manifesting yeah. itself in different ways and everybody needs to fucking check themselves oh yeah absolutely uh, that's what i i mean i think it's amazing is that you know we mentioned <laughs> There's no such thing as mental health without Brezzy. But I guess from whatever that point, it's the stigma is starting to lift. And like, you know, I, especially on this season of my podcast, I've talked to so many more men who I think before would have been like, I noticed, this is really interesting, but I noticed that like women will post me in on Instagram, they'll at me or whatever. They'll publicly be like, this book is really helping me or this podcast has helped me understand anxiety. Whereas a guy will DM me and say oh my girlfriend passed on the book and I just want to say it's really helped so just how men experience it or how they kind of talk about it is a little bit different more private yeah so it's actually you know it's not I, I would have thought maybe it's more of a women's issue but it's not and no. it's just but I still so why I wanted to talk to more men in this season is to try and you know encourage more men to think it's not it's not about like not being manly or anything of yes. that bullshit it's you that know, is a problem it's associated with weakness yeah so like i want i'd love to ask you before we wrap up like what do you think needs to happen for more men to feel comfortable to talk about their mental health uh well i mean i think it's changing quite quickly anyway mm -hmm. i don't really know i never really actually thought that with this particular thing because i think a lot about masculinity and i was actually mm -hmm. i for a while i was thinking about trying to put together like a like a show about masculinity and modern aspects of masculinity I, I, I think it's just tied into that whole thing of just men need to realize that they just need to be honest about their emotions. It's kind of weird for me because like I said, I was thrust into this world where 
it, it was praised. What is it? That, he wants that, me to throw the bone for him. Oh, give me the bone. I'll throw the bone. <laughs> so uh, the um, I, I was thrust into this world when I was young yeah. of people saying, you need to be honest about your emotions. Don't hide from who you are. All this type of stuff. So... I guess I guess I'm I'm not the best person to ask how do we need to be better at mm. men being honest about it because I I, I kind of like was in a world where that was normal and an actual okay. fact if you had any criticism of 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 those fellowships in those early years was there's hardly any fucking women in them really <laughs> yeah and probably some women didn't even feel safe there it's just a bunch of guys fucking going on about how fucked up they used to be <laughs> like you know so I, I I was actually in a world where like there was loads of men being like. You need to be honest about how you're feeling about that. You know, it was almost like you okay. would get shamed if you weren't being honest about your emotions. <laughs> yeah. like, where do you think that's coming from? Like, you know, that, that that's like my early twenties. Okay, like they were your of, formative years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my early twenties was a bunch of like hardcore Dublin heroin addicts being like, you know, I, I think that's coming from your childhood. Man. You need to fucking look into that. So, but in terms of, I, I guess in terms of like, you know, you think of, you're talking about social media and Instagram is it, you know, it is, you know, you know, and sometimes. A guy will DM you because they probably just don't want to put up the girl, the girl book. Yeah, you know? it's yeah. almost like, uh, you know, like Pepsi Max and and Coke Zero were created because guys didn't want to drink diet soda, yeah. so you put in like Pepsi Max. Yeah, you know. So <laughs> yeah. I was I was trying to come up with some jokes about like you know how do you frame mental even the yeah. word mental health has actually made it more accessible to mm. men because actually like talking about your feelings being honest about your feelings is actually a harder thing for a man to admit than say i'm worried about my mental health i think men like mental fitness as well yeah it's and like w- yeah and like wellness and yeah. you know so i i, I just think it's it, it, so it, basically you're saying i need to have like owning it for dicks or something no you need to be have like you know <laughs> well actually own it you know how i turn my anxiety into strength you have to turn it to like uh yeah you say like um how i turned my anxiety into a six-pack and a bigger <laughs> dick <laughs> How my anxiety made my dick huge. <laughs> no, I'm That's joking. That's going to be my next one. <laughs> I actually don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I like, I like all the conversation. Like I had a funny thought the other day because I used to have this joke about how people say, oh, you're crying like a girl. And I would say I'm crying like a man. Uh, but actually I had a thought recently, which was people say you're crying like a girl. What does that actually mean? And it means you're crying in public yeah. because women are comfortable crying in public and men aren't. Mm. Right. So... I just think there is a move, you know, based on a sort of a reaction to quote unquote toxic masculinity. There is a move to tackle the aspects of masculinity or the aspects of traditional masculinity or what we associated with masculinity. Mm. There is a move to tackle those. And one of them is definitely men being stoic, men being afraid to show their emotions. And the negative repercussions of that have been violence against women. Uh, You know, so you can look at it in terms of how it's a positive benefit for our society Mm. but in terms of like selling it to men i guess it's basically just more and more men being public and saying yo i i I," there were aspects of my life which you may or may not identify with that were causing me problems i fucking tackled them head on and my life couldn't be better now Mm. you know Mm -hmm. and so i i i i think it's naturally happening anyway so it's not you should be one shouldn't be too concerned on how can we sell this to mm. men better uh, i you know i just think it's very good because even in those early years and even in like my stand-up i probably wasn't that public about I, a lot of that that journey that i had in those early years drove my comedy and drove the type of stuff that i wanted to do but i actually i was quite private about it because i thought you were supposed to be in mm. fact 
Yeah, it's a cultural thing. Yeah. Yeah, but also anonymity. You know, anonymity is a huge part of the 12 step process. And that was my early journey was very much the 12 steps. And it's all about anonymity. And that beca- that is because there's a stigma around alcoholism and drug addiction. So you're actually protecting yourself from people judging you yeah. based on those stigmas, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of those stigmas have actually faded, thank God. Yeah. So I guess in a way, it's the same thing. Mm. It's like, let's, I appreciate the anonymity based on you don't want to be labeled as a drug addict. But the great thing is that now you can say there's less and less stigma about talking publicly about these things because they're less associated with weakness. So the more you talk about it, the less it gets associated with weakness. Yeah, the more it's just normalized. Yeah. And that's, and just, I, I that's my that's goal. Good. Yeah. And I think it's just necessary because... Yeah. What are you most proud of with yourself and the... As a human? Yeah. I don't know. You just rolled your eyes there for anyone who needs to... Who can't see. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I actually don't know. When I'm what I'm most proud of mm. uh, myself, not you know? from a professional perspective, but just a you know the journey you've been on. What am I most proud of? Mm. I don't know. Would you say maybe, maybe how you can rise to it and handle the real big life shit? Well, actually, to be honest, I'm I'm quite the survivor, really. You yeah. know, like I. Uh, you know, I had that kind of like a little awkward childhood. And then I, I left America when I was 14 for, for a number of reasons. But all of them were to really get away from my discomfort, really. Mm-hmm. You know, now it saved me, quote unquote, in that it gave me like this very unique life. But like, you can't say that there weren't negative repercussions from like half raising yourself from the age of 14 mm-hmm. even though i was in boarding school yeah you know but like yeah but you did that you have raised yourself you're on your and... own. yeah so basically because i raised myself and i actually had testicular cancer when i was 24 mm-hmm. and i i i had you know like i had like a weird life like i'm happy that i managed to like function throughout it so yeah on one level i'm proud of that but on the flip side you know i would i would prefer to be have like an easier time with like you know relationships and Mm -hmm. coping with certain aspects of my life like i would have preferred to have that's the joke i have in my show which is i kind of wish somebody had told me your mother has anxiety and then she would have taken some xanax and we would have had a normal childhood (laughs) but then i wouldn't be standing here in front of a bunch of fucking strangers talking about my shit (laughs) no you wouldn't you would have been far too well adjusted yes i know so i you know i guess i you know i guess i'm i'm proud of the fact that i've I've turned all that negative mm. stuff into positives, but I don't really think of that. I, honestly, I'm probably, you know, I am probably most proud of like the fact that like I got clean and sober when I was young. Yeah, these are huge And I managed things. to help, you know, like, and I did manage to like help a lot of people at that, mm. at that time, you know. Yeah. But like, and I'm proud of some professional achievements too. But like you've overcome so much and now you're, you're like at the, you know, scraping away the last bits of shit that are bothering you. I so just the last bits. But you know, like what or being organized or those kind of things. Like th- these are they're not monumental. They're things you can absolutely, if you want to, you know, get on top of. Because you've already gotten on top of so much. Like look how resilient you are. And I also think oh, it's yeah. very important to take stock sometimes and as kind of hippy dippy as it might sound, um, for me like a great motivator it's not social comparison it's temporal comparison which is where you look at yourself now to yourself of a different time and see how far you've come rather mm. than looking at where someone else is and do, comparing yourself to that person which 
only ever creates a culture of like one-upmanship if you focus if you get in your own lane and think okay well where was I five years ago or ten years ago and where do I want to be like for me it's you know to someone else so fucking what that I you know went to Japan last month but for me considering a couple of years ago I wasn't able to go to the shop to buy milk it was I've come along a huge way so like I have to look you have to look at that things from that perspective oh totally yeah I mean I you know I I actually the reason why I rolled my eyes was because I didn't feel like because I'm 44 I'm like a lot Mm -hmm. older than you I actually just didn't feel like reviewing my life (laughs) it's a fucking long it's like it's like oh god I gotta fucking think about this now but uh but you know because it there's there's like a lot you Mm -hmm. know I just didn't feel like thinking about Mm -hmm. but but I I I mean I'm joking I, I, you know, I, I, I like, I'll tell you what I like about this whole podcasting world and just like accidentally sort of finding myself back thinking a lot about mental health and all that in, in, in a, in a, in a modern, in like in, in the fresh way, because there's like the world has moved on a lot since mm-hmm. I gave this a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. I actually think that this, a lot of this stuff, podcasting, the books that you're writing and stuff like that is kind of almost like a new version of you know, going to meetings and the different yeah. things that I did back in the day or going down to the Jogsham Bear in West Cork. I used to like do these like Buddhist weekends down there. You know, it's great that is like, it's so accessible now. Mm. So I, I, I quite like this, this new, this new level of it. You yeah, know? it's a good place to be. Plus then you get the praise of being like, you're so brave talking about you. It's- <laughs> I know, people say that to me all the time. And like, I don't feel brave because first of all, I don't have a filter. And I, the reason I would start, have started telling everyone or whether I started on social media and then turned into the books and the podcast is because that's my coping mechanism is that when I tell people, they reflect back to me that it's actually yes. normal, that it's fine. And then I feel better. So it's not that I'm like, I'm going to do this for the rest of the world benefit. Yeah. It's, it is for my benefit too. And uh, obviously yes. it's great that, you know, it's amazing that people can listen or, or read the book and say, well, that's helped me. But like, I'm also helping myself. We all have to do that. You yeah. Know? And the identifying is so powerful. Like, yeah, that's it. Thank you. I mean, that's a lot. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you for having me on yours. Yeah. One hour and 13 minutes. Wow. I've never done such but a you, long did, podcast. There was enough for yours there. Yeah. Right? Loads. I mean, yeah. It's definitely loads for me. Yeah. Loads. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is that our needs were actually more similar yeah i just thought of i you know it was good that you talked a little i know that you were sort of going off script a little bit telling your own story which i'm sure that your own listeners have heard before but i know that's fine that's but fine. really i just wanted you to grill me yeah which is great <laughs> did you feel grilled enough per- yeah perfect okay that's, I, I was ideal <laughs> so so there we go that was me and caroline great no katie no me but there you are but that's at the okay. end of it None the wiser. <laughs> no, but I am really looking forward to listening to it. So, um. Um, yeah. So this was a this was a this was a monstrous anxiety app. Yeah, and what I'll do is some of the stories people sent me. Now I'll cover out the names. Um, but um, it, you know, if you if, if if some people had been like, if people want to DM me, so I might share some of them, and then if yeah, I'll talk to them about it. But uh, I'll share some. No, but like, we can we can have a follow on next week. You know, okay, great. Because yeah. obviously, after the app goes up, people are going to message about their anxieties. So we'll have a follow up next week. Brilliant. And then we'll never talk about anxiety again. No, we'll just we'll all be cured. <laughs> so make sure to add uh, at Katie Boyle comic. Uh, we got some nice. We got some nice five stars. Listen, you know, we we we've doubled our listenership in the last few weeks, but you know, there's only been a few comments and 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 ratings. And listen, we're not giving out, guys, but. 
you know, it, it is it is really helpful if you, especially if you're an iTunes, you know, an Apple listener, to give us five stars and and give us a comment. And and if you're not, if you listen on Spotify or Podbean or any of these places, please just you know take a screenshot and be like, love in the shift. We love that on on Instagram. Yeah. So please do that. I love that. Thanks so much for everybody who has been doing that. It's great. And then o- o- over 2 million, 2.1 million views on the period sex bit on Facebook. So I'm hoping, and a lot of that is outside of Ireland. In fact, Ireland is the in fifth place for the the uh, the viewers on that. So we're hoping that we, we're getting more international people. So if you are a new listener, uh, as a result of um, uh, seeing that last week, uh, welcome to the podcast. Please do... Uh, please do give us I have noticed I don't know if you noticed in the charts but we have bumped up in like a lot of uh, like other places I don't know if, did you notice that when you were looking yeah, at Charitable yeah. Katie yeah I actually had um, a few listeners in India <laughs> yeah so I noticed we got a little we got a little international bump up so if you are one of those people welcome to the podcast please spread the word because even though we have an Irish flavor uh, you know I don't think that that should put people off I mean really we're the YouTube of podcasts you know so don't uh, <laughs> You know, we're, we're, we're taking the world by storm with our, with our, with our Irish sensibilities. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, that's it. We'll, we'll be back next week. I mean, really, we should have just, I should have just split the fucking thing in two, you know, but I guess, well. no, I don't want to because Caroline put it up on hers. Ah, yeah. Then just stick it up. And like you said, if people need to take a break. Yeah. You know, they, well, can, yeah. Yeah. By now it doesn't matter. They're, if they've gotten to this point anyway, they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. they, they, they've done it all, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, if you're, if you're, you know, I, I keep forgetting to do my plugs at the beginning of the pod, but I'm in Clonmel and Tullamore next weekend. And that's the end of the Take the Points tour. And then Mia Mama is on sale. DesBishop.net forward slash tour dates. Yay. Uh, and if you're bored, you can listen to the Des Bishop podcast. Great chat with Stephen Mullen on there. And do, yeah, get the Mia Mama. As I've seen your Mia Mama, it's amazing. So oh, yeah, go, but you haven't, go to that. You haven't, know, haven't finished, yet, <laughs> you haven't seen anything yet, Katie. You haven't seen anything yet, Katie. It's going to be way better. Yeah. Than what you saw. Then it's going to be amazing. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. All right. Well. Thanks, everybody. Let's go. I, I got to get back to. Um, I got to get back to fixing the fucking noise on this goddamn first bit of our of our yeah. podcast. And, and if there's uh, any if there's any noise coming through, like I don't think it will, but if you do hear a little noise, um, I'm just in New York and there's construction going on, and my roommate's family are all here in the kitchen, so <laughs> so you might hear some Spanish. That's life. You might hear some Spanish. All right, thanks, learn. guys. <laughs> what? Bye. I said they might learn some Spanish. Adios. <laughs> <laughs> Adios. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.